welcome to the Sports Carnage Podcast, presented by Detroit Sports Nation, featuring Paul Roshan, A.J. Riley, Ryan Griffin, and Matthew Bassett, bringing you the most arrogant takes on the planet straight to your ears. We don't promise to always be right, but we promise to act like we are. Michigan State is our little brother. And the Spartans, Dennis Walker. Michigan's number two defense in the country. I'm not here to talk about Georgia's number one. Michigan, Michigan, the boys in blue are the number two defense in the country. Snap again. Flag on the play. Walker. Touchdown, Spartans. Overall, Michigan State is going to get donkeyed at home in East Lansing. Here's the give. Walker. Whatever that podunk count is, they're going down. Michigan's going home, taking Paul Bunyan, and kindly, I'm not going to say the F word, but Michigan State. You know what I'm saying? Not going to say the F word, but Michigan State. Okay? And here in Michigan State, another chance to try to get off the field and force a kick. Jake Moody into a tip to 36-yarder. He's been perfect today. And he remains perfect. Michigan. With the lead in the ball now. Remember, he fumbled the ball the last time he was in. And off the Corbett's fumbled. The Spartans are on it. They fumbled the snap. The Spartans are all over it. Second down at five at the 23. Can Michigan State punch it in? Trailing by three. They've got to get it to Kenneth Walker. Here's the give. Walker! Kenneth Walker! The joint is rocket, thanks to Kenneth Walker. Michigan State has been able to convert every situation that they've needed to. When they've gotten down in the scoring territory, they've gotten touchdowns, not field goals. Michigan has settled for four field goals today. They don't need a home run right away. 109 to go. McNamara looking. The Spartans have beaten Michigan again. It's the 10th win for Michigan State over Michigan in the last 14 games. 2-0 for Mel Tucker. We got Oh, what a weekend it was. Uh, Not going to spend too much time gloating about our Spartans pulling off that comeback win. 16 points. Um, Dylan said we have to look forward. We can't talk about the past. It does in the past. We have to move forward. So we shouldn't talk about it at all. uh, No, we're going to talk about it because it might very well be the greatest Michigan-Michigan State game of all time. That's saying a lot. There's been some good ones, a long time ago, good ones, obviously, when both teams were pretty damn good, Uh, 80s good ones, 
Uh, I don't know how well the '90s were for Michigan State, so there's a lot of whoopings there. Well, so uh, I guess the John L. Smith the, eras the, were pretty. The number one versus no one. End of the, the end of the '90s, you know, when when Nick Saban was was, was the running the program, you know, we got a little better. But uh, and then the Antonio time when Michigan was on down years. But this past weekend, Oof. you saw everything uh-huh. from both teams. You saw great offensive plays from both sides. You saw great defensive plays by both sides. That you didn't saw count. boneheaded plays by both sides. <laughs> you saw bad calls by the ref for both sides. And you saw everything well, you want to see say for both sides game. with not, it coming for, down. Hey, for both sides. Oh yes. For both sides. No, no, there was, there were, there were calls. Oh yes. Do one. not act like it's a one-sided one. game. No, name I'm not going to get into this. At the end of the day, when it was all said and done and there was an iffy fourth down call that didn't go Michigan's way. Maybe there was some holding. Maybe it was the collision of the two Michigan state defenders that ran off the receiver into a bad spot, whatever it may be. Michigan's defense held, and they got the ball back with one last drive with a chance to win the football game. And Michigan was marching the ball pretty damn well before the back-breaking play where the receiver didn't come back to the ball. It was not all on the quarterback, and I'm not going to be the one to say that. Ryan might. (laughs) But I'm not going to be the one to say that. I mean, it was a dangerous throw, to be sure, because he had bracketed coverage, but... But receiver did not come no, back to the ball, and a freshman DB for Michigan yeah. State made one hell of a play mm-hmm. to come back with one hand and snatch that ball up enough to get his body there in time to collect it. Well, and he came and off his State coverage survives. to make that play because he was, was actually it was a fantastic on the, interception. It's, it, so that's just that's just because he knew where Cade was going with I it. Don't, Right. So I first I needed to apologize to Eric all because in post game that me and Ryan did uh, when we did the yeah it, I apologize because I didn't correct you I knew it was eighty six I, I love how he says eighty six and doesn't even else. say his name uh, a shoemaker well I just did you got oh I'm me, sorry he me. was saying it you just interrupted him I'm sorry we said eighty six so usually when you say numbers because you don't know what else to say but my bad. I didn't know it straight after the game. I knew shooting my maker mocker was on the team. I just didn't know if he was eighty six, so I didn't want to blame him either. Yeah, no, I I, I said Eric all just because I don't know. I it was tight end and I was pissed and I assumed it was all. I don't know. I, I should have known the way all was playing that he wouldn't do something so stupid. Uh, so it's I I want to apologize to Eric all and his family. It's heartbreaking times. Um, hey, ninety three, ninety six yards, something I, like I, that. <laughs> would have had game. a lot more if we stopped. If we continued to use the middle of the field, did the fourth quarter, but whatever. Yeah, uh, Josh we Gattis stopped. <clears throat> but whatever. You, you guys know I have my beef with Josh Gaddis, and he was trying. He tried really hard for like two and a half quarters to say, "Listen, I can do other things. I can do the right thing." And then he stopped. But whatever. Um, they haven't passed in the past. We don't need to talk about it anymore. It was it was, a, it was a tale of two halves. First half was. Uh... I mean, game started great for Michigan no. State. Looked great with their first no, drive. Not two halves because essentially... Michigan played really good in the third quarter as well. Nah, you started the third quarter. You got the ball first, went down and made it a two-score, a, a sixteen-point lead. We we scored two touchdowns in the third quarter. No, we didn't. Yes, no, no, you didn't. Sorry, no, you're, right. Didn't. you're right. You're right. You're right. You scored twenty-three fourteen at halftime. Ten. You made it thirty fourteen because yeah. you got the ball to start the second half. Do we score and that first drive? God dang. Was it the first drive or was it the second drive? I feel like it had to be the second. It was. It was early enough in the in the third quarter. Because it felt like a tale of two halves. Well, I think, <laughs> so I think if it was late in the third, it wouldn't I, feel that way. To see, me. I thought we scored with like seven minutes left in the third, but I'll, I'll have to. No, look. I 
Well, man, so we we started our drive where down thirty to fourteen with like six forty seven left or something, six twenty seven, six forty seven, something like that. Okay. Well, that doesn't mean we scored. That's right when we now. started the first yeah. drive. So let me look. But so Ryan, I I said I said we weren't gonna gloat too much. I I am speaking for you, and that is not fair. Yeah, so right. I, I'm gonna let you speak for yourself. Well, I did I did a ton of gloating uh, at the time because I was with Paul and AJ. Uh, I even scared AJ out of my house, and I do feel bad about that. I felt bad about that. About, about halfway through I the saw a side game, of Ryan that I never thought I would ever oh see. Oh, my dude. Because, Ryan, you always seem so an un- chill. An unbelievable amount of vulgarity. Well, that I don't care about so much. But I just, like, <laughs> I never expected you to be that exaggerated. It was, it you were. Like, I, I, yeah, I, I heard you got on Paul levels there, Ryan. Oh, I did. But I don't. 100%. I, well, because Paul did it first. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. So, yeah, That's because my I, team in, was. In Michigan State, there, there, there wasn't enough to gloat about. My team the was game, doing except things they went first. Up 14, my team was doing things first. So it was, I had to get a start. So it was all it was all pent up <laughs> from from 22 ah. to 30. And I'm like, oh, shit. And then 28. And I'm like, oh, if we get this. And then they threw a fade, which I didn't like, but Reed caught it anyway. Like, <laughs> but hang on. So you are saying that you were witness to Paul living a day in the life of pride comes before the fall. <laughs> well, hold on. It's not It's not like, you put it like I that. was celebrating. I was never, like, talking mad crap. I never said, like, oh, my God, this game's over. You guys suck. Like, that didn't come out of my mouth. It's not like no, I was No, you said glowing. all that in the podcast last week. Yeah. Stop. Oh, my God. I Listen. It's going to be a double-digit win. It should be a double-digit win. Well, it should. I, I mean, feel bad about my actions, though, after AJ left. Like I, I believe we very that. much proved that it should have been a double-digit win. Like, that's my biggest problem. My biggest problem, and listen, I don't I don't like losing. Yeah, yeah we left a lot of players I don't like thing. losing, okay? It sucks. Like, it's not fun. This is – it's a bit miserable. But my – far bigger than losing, my problem is with the reaction to this game. Like, I just – it, it makes me violent. Like, I just, I cannot, you guys, it's whatever. But, like, normal people, I cannot even talk to this game about because I just want to physically harm them. Like, I can't, I, I don't, I don't want to hear any more nonsense about Jim. I don't want to hear any more nonsense about who the better team is. Like, if you, if you watch this game and somehow conclude that Michigan State is better, I don't need to ever hear your opinion of a football team ever. I don't need that in my life. I, ever. Like, I don't need to talk to you about football. Don't talk to me about football. It's that so in your mind, Michigan is the unquestionably better team. It's not even close. So it, listen, if we played in Michigan, yeah. I, 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 this I is a man who picked the Lions to flat out win last week, folks. Just for the record. Before I said that, I said I'm going to keep doing this and being wrong until they win a game <laughs> or go winless. I said that on pod. Listen, I know that I'm, I'm a man who made a bet before last I'm, year. Michigan would win at least six times in a row. I know that I'm bashing. Team. Yes, I did that. And has lost. And since that bet is zero and two, by the way. <laughs> no, we, no, that's not true. No, this was actually a few years ago, and we. So won now we can actually call this the curse of Roshan. So after the Michigan first two may years, never beat Michigan State again. That's not true. We we won. <laughs> we won the first two years. This bet so misrepresented. The bet was actually years ago. And Dylan, after the first, I think it was the right. second game, but it was at least after the Everybody first is. game, and then D'Antonio retired. After D'Antonio retired, Dylan thought that that bet was going to be a loss. He had chalked that up to being a loss. So I don't want to – this was not like a bad bet at the time. Like, it it looked good, and then some shit happened. But uh, to the game no, and then itself, coming. I, I, wanna, yeah. I do want to say one thing, and it's not yeah. – this has been building all season. It's not just because of what they did Saturday. 
Uh, Michigan State is better than I thought they were earlier in the season. Before this game, and then this game having been played, both teams are exactly what I thought they were. If this game was played 100 times, Michigan would win 90 of them by double digits. They would win nine of them in close calls. Okay. In the one, no in the one, so is what we saw hyperbolic. It's this unbelievable. Was, this it's was not. the perfect Doctor Strange, Tony Stark snap, perfect time. Michigan State was, won. No, 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 no. Stop. That's the not one true. in that six like million, billion, six hundred and three yeah. million, and. And I didn't say that. That's very disrespectful. I said it's one out of 100. That's not <laughs> at all. That is not bad. No, that's not at all disrespectful. They've only played no. 114 times. So, you it's know, not, one not out of 100 is only about 95% we don't get, of the okay, rivalry. But the, <laughs> I can't, even, I can't even believe that those words are actually coming out of your mouth right now. Like, I, that you, in 100 really, opportunities, if, if, Michigan would only lose one of them? And it was this uh, look, one that happened. And it was this it, one that, right? like, so hold on. like yeah. listen... I, I I'm get talking from way better odds than Doctor Strange. I I'm get talking the from confidence. the simulation mathematical thing, right? So, like, if Kate gets if Kate if, gets if, hurt if, in eight of those games, and, 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 and well, no, it still wouldn't matter. We would probably beat him with JJ McCarthy anyway. So, I guess that doesn't matter. If, if he went by the PFF rankings, I mean, it I just it, that just PFF. seems so hyperbolic to me to say that Michigan would win by double digits ninety times and win in a close game nine times, and Michigan State's only opportunity is one. They would beat Michigan one time out of, like, those two teams. I get where you're coming from thinking that Michigan still might be the better team. And I'm not going to sit here and argue. I'm not going to sit here and argue that point with you. But to to have watched that game on Saturday, and it, it was like we were talking towards the end of the game. I said, this has been a very evenly matched game, right? We, we I think... I don't know where Ryan stands on this, but you and I do tend to agree. No, can you let me finish what I was going to say before you (laughs) jump onto that? What I was saying is, you and I both kind of sensed that the ball didn't bounce Michigan's way as much as it might have bounced Michigan State's way. I don't see that necessarily as an excuse, but what what I'm saying is, and I said it toward late in the game too, like. This felt very much like a a basketball game and how you coach a basketball game is you manage the runs, right? Like one team's going to go on a run, you call timeout to try and stop that run, get on your run, and it just kind of felt like a very back and forth, right? Michigan jumps out 10 nothing, Michigan State comes back, Michigan jumps out, Michigan State comes back, and it was all this runs back and forth. And so to to see how evenly that game played out, and to say that this was the only time that Michigan State would have beat them in 100 opportunities is just so hyperbolic to me. It's unbelievable. Entirely unbelievable. And I, I, I don't think it's very honest either, to be frank. Ryan, I still <laughs> didn't even get honest. your thoughts on the game. I mean, if, we, if we win one or 100 times out of the times, it doesn't matter. Because is what happened, right? We, we got the one. I think the 99 out of 100 is is ridiculous. I think if you played, like, if you want to make the argument with the Michigan game, like, do you beat Appalachian State 99 out of 100 times the year you lost to them? Yeah, probably. These two teams are way closer than whatever your your 99 uh, per, percent game is. The thing that impressed me the most was uh, Michigan State's resiliency. Obviously, you know, 10-0. 
and then 14-13. And then you gave that lead up. You let Michigan score 17 straight points, 30-14, to 14, halfway through the third quarter is when they started their drive to go down and score. Scoring not only those two touchdowns, but those two right. two-point conversions. Right, it's it's not ballsy to call the two point conversions because you need them, but making those plays when they needed to be made was the most impressive part to me. And I didn't think the, the you know the crowd was certainly louder at certain points in the game, but uh, Xavier Henderson called it out after after the game. The crowd never you know left the game where you started seeing empty seats and maybe that can deflate you like, damn, our own fans don't even believe in us. Everybody was there from start to finish and Michigan State making plays in the second half, being down 16 when that's, you know, the the easiest time to fold because you just gave up a touchdown. You probably came out of the, you probably came out of halftime saying, hey, we have to get a stop on this first possession, uh, you know, if, if we really want to get back in this and Michigan goes down. Michigan scores and to still be able to come back from that outscore Michigan, you know, 23 to three, uh, the last 26 points that were scored in the game, Michigan state touchdown, 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 not kicking one field goal all day and making Michigan settle for field goals. That to me, obviously the point scored is the difference, I guess is, is really what I'm saying. But the fact that Michigan State didn't settle for any field goals, that they made those uh, those fourth down plays, particularly the fourth and four that set up yep. the, I believe it was the first touchdown. Yep. Uh, we blew the assignment right the over the middle. To read. Um, no, well, that one too, but I was talking about the, the throw Thorne made to read. That was their um, second the fourth corner. and four, fourth and five okay. conversion. So, okay, so it's probably, what, 30-22 yeah. at that point, I think. Um, no, I think he's talking about the two-point conversion, yeah. AJ. No, I think he just said the no, fourth down. No, I'm talking about down. the – it was oh, fourth, yeah. fourth down. Okay, sorry. And Thorne threw Beautiful a – Beautiful fade down the sideline. I guess like a fade yeah. to read, right, down the sideline. It was almost a touchdown itself. We were there from like, I don't know, what, the three or something, and we ended up punching it in from the uh, from the one Here, line. And just making, making plays like that because if those plays go a different way, you know, sure. Joe Klatt talked earlier in the week, if Michigan has this snap or this snap – Jim Harbaugh is in the playoffs and he's the greatest coach ever. Uh, you know, if those plays go a different way, the game probably goes a different way. But, you know, you have to make those plays. And Michigan State, uh, they made them when they needed to. Not a, not even a great day from Thorne all around, but making those plays and those throws when, when, they needed, uh, when they needed to be made was the most impressive part about the game to me and just the, you know, the fight that they showed throughout, you know, Throughout all four yeah. quarters, even when it seemed like uh, the game, you know, had had a real chance of getting out of hand. Yeah, I, I was trying to say in the in the midst of all that, it, it really doesn't matter how many times we would beat you if we played unlimited simulations because you beat us in the one time that it matters because we only we only get, probably get to play once during the season. And while I would give literally. That's right. We, we won 100%. Literally sacrifice members of my family to see a rematch in the playoff. I, I don't think it's going to come to that. I don't think either of these teams wins the rest of their games, especially Michigan. Um, I, I don't. I think it's going to be tough. Um, I, I don't see either of these teams beating Ohio State, unlike some people. I just I don't. I don't see how these teams can handle that offense. Um, and going to Happy Valley is not going to be easy for a team that struggles in the red zone in in most of the. From I would put most of that blame squarely on the shoulders of our play caller, 
Um, but Penn State has a really good red zone defense. And listen, co- coaches, it, the, the problem is, like, the reason you can't get away with Gaddis' shortcomings, um, even if you are a relatively talented team, you can't get away with them at good teams because coaches at this level pour over the film and, and they see the tendencies. They, they have it down to, like, down distance time on the clock. Like, there's a 20% chance they're running this kind of action. There's a 15% chance they're running that kind of action. Like, So anything that we notice about what Josh Gaddis does or doesn't do, I guarantee you Penn State's coaching staff notices a lot more and knows how to attack that. And they are very good against teams that are a lot better on offense than we are in the red zone. And, and that's where I, I think these games are going to be a big struggle. I know Dylan really all season, and I know he's not on this podcast right now, but he's been a lot more optimistic about both these teams uh, than I have been all season. Um, and maybe he's right. It's kind of really weird for Dylan to be optimistic about anything. Uh, so it's probably how you know he's absolutely wrong. Uh, but he, he thinks for some reason that both of these teams have a really good chance uh, against Penn State and Ohio State. And I, I think both these teams have a really good chance against Penn State just because I don't think Penn State's like head and shoulders better than them. Penn State scares me for the matchup. I think it's a, it's a worrisome matchup, especially for Michigan. Uh, Ryan could give us more on Michigan State because really I, I do want to look forward more than look back. Um, not just because the result is painful. I mean, yeah, it sucks we lost the game, but we did lose the game. And even though we lost the game, there was no college football playoff ranking last week. Um, but if there was, I imagine Michigan and Michigan State would have been ranked similarly to their AP rankings. Um Michigan dropped one spot in that vein, right? Like Michigan is seventh, I believe, in the college football playoff rankings. Michigan State all the yep. way up to third. Okay, so both of these teams are in great position. Stop the count. Stop the count. If the, if the season ended today, Michigan State would be in the playoff, right? Michigan State would be in a nice New Year's Bowl game. <laughs> so both of these teams, what? Anyway. I just can't believe we're actually saying that for the 2021 season. Never, <laughs> right. never in. I would agree with that. 2021 beginning. That out of the oh yeah, Michigan's gonna be number three in the country. <laughs> it is. It is amazing to think about. Michigan and Michigan State's combined. Jimmy, number two. Fuck Michigan out, and Michigan State's combined wins last year. Four. Oh, and we're the last undefeated team in the Big Ten. Four like, no, combined. No, no. Four you tell combined me this. Wins. You tell me this in on like August first. I'm just gonna be like. I don't know what you're smoking, but you need to stop. Four combined wins these teams had last year. The, the odds you could have guessed. Now, now you're now you're two thirds <laughs> through the season, and you have one combined loss, and that was a game that one of you had to lose because you can't you can't tie and you can't both win. So one of you had to lose the game, and that's our one combined loss in the season. So I and we talked about this before. No matter what happens, outside of like losing out, it's probably a pretty darn good season bounce back for both teams. <laughs> but I I do worry about the letdown. For both teams, um, Michigan, it's not like it, it again. It would not be at all surprising if you lose to Penn State and you lose to Ohio State, and you're sitting there at nine and three after a seven and zero start, and you go two and three to close the season. Yes, Matt. Well, I don't want to look ahead yet because we're not. We, you know, there there was there was a point to this topic. It was in the beginning of the topic. I did say it. You know, I I do want to talk about our upcoming games and the letdown possibility. But I don't want to jump ahead of where we still are talking about this game and where it ranks in so your guys' slow mind burn, baby. as far as this rivalry and the, and the games that have been played in this rivalry. We've seen Can I ask you a question? really good games. Yes. Can I ask you a question? How much do we weigh the fact 
when answering this with how the quality of the teams versus the quality of the game. Like, does the fact that they're no, both no, I, I, top I, 10 teams I, way higher? No, the fact that they're both not shit um, yeah. weighs high. I mean, does it does it to you, I guess, is yeah, really I, the question. I mean, it could be personal, obviously, as so, well. Like, I, I wasn't going to take it into account. You know, if we had, a, uh, you know, some amazing, you know, Browns-Lions-level game where Stafford came back from the shoulder injury to throw the game-winning touchdown, but both these teams combined had, like, three wins on the season. Ooh, like, up too. like, that's, that to me, like, like yeah, it was a great game, but, but it was, you know, it was In all heart because both these so teams So, I'm suck. trying so. – I was young. So it's it's hard for me to remember the context and the lead up to the game, but still the best game, like just game itself that I've ever seen in this rivalry was the Braylon Edwards Drew Stanton triple overtime game. Um, that was, yeah. that's that fair. Was, that was Braylon, right? That's a ve- it's, it's, it's very yeah. oh yeah, it, it was Braylon. Yeah. Um, was that was that Braylon or was it um what's it's pretty uh, it, well we better not say it's Braylon. We might get a call from his father. Oh no! <laughs> Listen, yeah, but we know how to handle his father. We're not. Dipshit radio jockeys. Um, he just hang up the phone. <laughs> that's true. He did just this? Quick. he did just drop his drop his beef and then and then hang up. Um, no, that that game is is one of my favorite football games. Like it was it was just so it was so good. I mean, it was a triple overtime game back when that meant something. Um, shout out to Illinois twenty five overtime. Oh game God, I, yeah, yeah. I'm not a fan of the college new college. No. It was. The only thing that marred that game was Stanton got hurt, um, right? It was, it's pretty big, pretty big mar. It, it, so that I mean, you true. saw, you saw, you saw in this game, your quarterback went out for one play, and it, it turned <laughs> supposedly, game and and that's why, right? Yeah, allegedly. So uh, listen again, the, <laughs> the dumbest thing in the world. So even if even if you say that Cade wasn't in the injury tent, which he, it was very much confirmed by fifty people and video that he was in the injury tent. But even if he wasn't, it Were was they all a, wearing hats with little M's on them. It was a handoff. No, he was only in there because Harbaugh said, but "All right." Was it a handoff? Kid, though? I'm, no, I almost wonder handoff. if it was, no, it was play action. No, no, no. The the coaches came out. And well, Harbaugh, exactly Harbaugh blamed Gorm. Uh, yeah, of course they're not going to blame JJ. They're not going to listen. They're not going to publicly Should. say anything to throw one player under the bus and save another and lie about it. Like that's well, not going to happen. Ever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they already it, did. It was. And you you said it yourself when we were watching. It couldn't have been an option because his back was turned. He wasn't right. reading anything. Right. So it wasn't it was a, a read straight, option it, for sure. It looked like it looked like a straight handoff, and then coaches came out and said it was a straight handoff. Quorum was supposed to take the ball. It was a mix up. He didn't understand his assignment. So uh, again, no matter what you thought about putting JJ into that spot, if you disagreed with it in all the world, JJ had nothing to do with the fact that that play got. That got messed up. It wasn't on him. So, if that's your opinion, it still doesn't matter because it wasn't. It didn't matter who was in a quarterback. It wasn't going to make Corum do the right thing. He fumbled the ball. It happened. Um, and yes, that was the yeah, final I get straw that. that that really broke it. If you had a running back that didn't fumble the ball, that'd be very helpful. This right, guy, it would be helpful. This, I I don't know how Kenneth Walker. Hold on a second. It's, Kenneth Walker did fumble the ball. He actually fumbled the ball out of the back of the end zone for what should have been a touchback, uh, but we didn't. Uh, all we don't, I'm seeing is touchdowns on the stat We don't line. like yeah. to call those things, so I guess mm-hmm. I guess if if replay review uh, only may, wants maybe to help if Joe Clatt didn't open his big stupid mouth about camera about angles. camera angles and then not have the camera at the spot the most important spot on the field. You you're right, and I I will never forgive Joe Clatt for that to be honest because that was 
embarrassing. And I, I'm actually, I am disappointed in Michigan Twitter. <laughs> what? Not nothing. Just like the fact. It's horrible. That, it's the dumbest thing the, I've the ever. The fact seen. that he came out and you know, a week ago was shitting on the ESPN camera angles without saying ESPN because obviously you can't do that. That other network. And then Michigan State's first touchdown. Was it the first? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. This is their first one. Oh. So back to Matt's question. First, first of many. Back to Matt's question. I would say question. this is this is second to that to the three overtime game for me. Number two. So I vaguely remember that three overtime game. Um, you were older than I was. I was, but remember yeah, but he was still who, in Ohio State. Ohio State, State, State remember well, who I was <laughs> following at that point in time. Um. For me, this is one of the best, if not the best, Michigan-Michigan State game I've ever seen. Potentially even one of the better college football games that I've ever seen. I mean, obviously, USC-Texas, I think, is always going to be that number one game. Um, but I to, to go deeper into that question of, like, do the rankings matter? I don't think that they... I don't think they matter in the sense that like this game was given more importance in my mind and that's what made it a better game, but it definitely heightened it to the point that like if both of these teams are um, unranked, they have three losses, it's still a really good football game, but does it rank up there as one of the best of all time? I don't know. Uh, the fact that they're both top ten teams – and it was such a phenomenal back and forth football game. Um, for me, really elevates it in this rivalry as probably the best, or like Paul said, the best or second best. Yeah, but for me, it's number two to trouble with the snap, only because in that one you have literally a timeless ending. Yeah, but that has the moment, that... obviously. But the game itself, I mean, you know, Michigan State had all the numbers except for the one of the mattered on the scoreboard. I, I actually, like, I mean, on this one, on this one, Michigan had all the that's numbers. That's true. I, I agree. Except for the one that mattered. I actually agree with Ryan. Not to cut you off, Ryan, but I do want to amend mine. Um, I will put this one third. I trouble with the snap was better, and it was trouble with the snap was not. Actually, that's not true. It was marred by Bolden's ejection. I effing hate this game. Oh my god! Oh my god! Wait, I Bolden. About that. I hate this game. Bolden was thrown out in the trouble with the snap game. Yeah, that game should have never been at that point. For should have been. I, hold on. I thought that he got thrown out at Michigan State. Nope. There was there. Okay, so there was. He probably probably a dirty player, just like uh. There was one, and it was the year. I mean. Are you talking Michi- about when he planted the stake in the field? No, I, he might. I, I just remember them being game? on the road. They were wearing. No, that game wasn't. They close. were wearing like Michigan State was like in. I think like their camo uniforms. Michigan had their like striped jerseys, the white with the blue and may well, stripe. We didn't on we didn't on the sleeve stripes when Harbaugh was here. I I I understand that, Paul. Do you remember when we went like to? Do you remember when? Do you remember when they had the night game with Notre Dame and they went to the old school jersey, and then they kind of recreated that for the road look. Yeah. Okay. Less horrible. Yes, I think. No, I know, but so I, 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 if I remember correctly, we were in that, and whoever was number thirty-five, which I thought was Bolden, 
a guy was on the ground and he like was finishing a tackle and got on top of him and they called targeting and it was like the softest call ever. That's the I one that I kept remembering rule, back to. I don't think the targeting rule existed when we wore those it, jerseys. I remember a dude at Michigan State. We ended up getting dominated that game, but it was close up until that point and then Michigan State just took over. See, I thought targeting was actually new for 2015. That that was 20 that was trouble with the snap where Bolden got ejected. Yeah, okay, then know, I'm thinking of that. somebody else that got ejected at Michigan State like either the year it was probably the year before that then. Oh, actually 2013 is when targeting was implemented. So it was 2 years before trouble I think 2 years before trouble with the snap. Yep. Year I, before I that was an absolute beatdown by state agents. Right, I know, but somebody in that game for Michigan, a defensive player, got thrown out for targeting. I'd almost guarantee it. And I, I remember, I, believe you. I remember I mean, that's the state game. At least the, you know the one before trouble with a snap is the state game. Yeah, it's twenty fourteen. Yeah, it's it just it it's really frustrating looking back at, at the games that we have had that are great. And the, looking at the ones that Michigan lost, and there's so many points in those games that you point to, just a horrifying call. How many times over the years has Michigan won a game like that? I don't know, but that's not what we're talking about right now. So It's not, but it's so sad. <laughs> it's so sad. It's like we can't have anything. Like all of our glorious games that end in narrow losses, we you we got boned. And then people want to be like, "Oh, stop making excuses." Well, I would I would really like to be on the other end of one of these for once. But I uh so yeah, like I said, trouble with the snap for me, but again, I don't have as big of a, re- a frame of reference as like you and AJ do. Uh well, maybe even bigger than AJ cuz I might have been liking Michigan State before he before he converted. Uh in like the worst trade of all time, might I might I add? I, yeah, I uh, I understand that. So like I don't unlike I don't the trade the I made this morning. Game. Thank you very much. There you go. <laughs> like I don't remember the Spartan Bob game. I wasn't alive for the number one versus no one. The Braylon game, we came out on the wrong end of it. But there, there was a, an amazing game. I think that was the same game that Demata uh, Peco returned a fumble touchdown. Uh, I remember going absolutely nuts about that. It's my first Michigan Michigan State rivalry memory is his big squirrel tail hair just running down the field in all of its glory. But we did end up losing that game. There was a game that was, I guess, twenty what 2010 maybe? There was like 26 to 20 in overtime. Uh, I don't remember too much, and I might be off by a couple years on that. I don't really remember that game too much, but it seemed obviously like it's a pretty close game if, if it went into overtime. So for me, it was this number two, uh, or under trouble with the snap, only because the ending is something that will always get me hype, and it's legitimately one of the greatest endings to any football game that you're ever going to see. You can play that just like the Bama-Auburn kick six, the Cordell Stewart-Hail Mary uh the Doug Flutie, Hail, Hail Mary. Mary was <laughs> the yeah, band out it, on the, the field same, for Stanford. The band Channel. on the field, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, uh, uh, I, and I, like, I agree. so it's like to and to me that timeless moment, and it was a good game, just like in general, it, you know, it was back and forth like this one was. Uh, so for me, trouble with the snap will be number one, but th- this is a number two. The ending for trouble with the snap is is going to win out over everything for Michigan State fans in the Michigan Michigan State rivalry. It's there's no time left. There's what ten seconds left in the game. All, yeah, you all, just I mean, something. If, if, if the punter, 
if the punter just falls on the ball, it's more than likely that State doesn't get a touchdown unless it's a hell of a pass. Well, we were only down two, so we could have kicked a field goal. Like, so even say, even Jalen Watts Jackson, say he went out of bounds or got tackled or something, there's still time to kick a, a pretty short field goal and still win the game. Obviously, if you get the punt off, it doesn't matter. But right. I think that game, uh, because, and it might be biased adding the post game significance onto it, because for this game, we don't know what's going to happen after, after the rest of the season. But. Uh, at least for that game, it kept Michigan State undefeated. It allowed them the leeway to have one loss and still make the college football playoff and win the conference. When you got to the playoff, it nothing really happened for you, but <laughs> it, uh, it gave you it gave you that cushion right to stay undefeated, to drop a game, go to the Big Ten title game, win the conference, and then make the playoff. So fair or not, I think that gives that game significance. And if if this if the same scenario happens this year where Michigan State ends up with the playoff berth, then it's probably something that we can revisit. But I do think there is bias in the fact that uh, without that win or any win, but that win in particular, right? Because you won it on the last play of the game. There's no playoff berth or conference title for Michigan State. For me, it's hard because it's not like this game was just straight back and forth, you know. There, there were little runs in the in the first part of the first half that we've already touched on. And then Michigan was able to take a decent-sized lead, a two-possession lead, going into halftime, despite all their best efforts by Michigan State to call timeout after timeout after timeout before the kick. And then Michigan scores, you know, scores the next time as well to extend that lead to a 16-point lead. For me, it's, 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 it's the mix of... State not giving up despite being down 16 points to a good Michigan team with a good with at that point had you know up to that point of the game had been a good Michigan defense that had done a pretty good job of shutting down the Spartan offense. But for that amount of time it left in the game where literally anything could still happen, we could have gotten Paul's double digit victory. We could have gotten a Michigan State double-digit victory if they recover that first fumble by J.J. and still recover the second one. If they score on both those, it's a bigger win for Michigan State. There were so many things that could have happened, but the way it all played out with it was almost like last team with the ball is going to win, and it seemed like Michigan State got away with one to be that last team with the ball, but they went to conventional football, and conventional football led to a three and out. Shocker. And Michigan still has a chance to win this football game. And obviously as a Spartan, I'm very happy with the ending. I'm very happy with the interception. And the complete package of this game to me is why I think I have it number one. For all-time moments, trouble with the snap is undefeated for Michigan State. For sure. I mean, literally, literally, I think in all of sports for Michigan State, like, it's going to be as high as them winning the national championship in 2000 for a lot of people. Just the sheer shock and awe of it. Anytime they show a reel of plays like it, it's going to be in there. And that's forever. So that side of it, I understand. And it was a good football game. I thought this was a better football game. And I obviously, the ending matters. But even if we had, if Michigan had gone down and scored a touchdown with 10 seconds left, to take the lead and end up winning the football game, I still would have this game oh, that high because I thought it was a damn good game that had all these chances to go any which way. And the ways they went were decided in the very, very end, not by the referees, but the players on the field. And 
the full package for me leads me to this game being number one on my list. If Michigan won because that stupid ass dude had the what the roughing the passer penalty, oh, or that was oh, only yeah. fifteen yards oh, on the last drive. Oh my god! Yeah, that was ridiculous. No, that was terrible. <laughs> but but see, was, you even it was such but a, just like a even headed play. Even that right there, like yeah, I'm not saying it's a you bad had, ball. No, you I had, it was like, just like, dumb. We, we were watching it. I was like, God damn! Yeah, like we're getting off so the bad. field. What are it's you so doing? Right, but even in that, you had those kind of gaffes that both teams made. Right, like uh, Cornelius Johnson had that ball hit him literally in the stomach because he didn't catch it with his hands. Right, like, and so can having we stop? the huh? I said, can we stop? <laughs> well, Blake no, Corum dropped one more over question. to the touchdown. Like, well, yeah, yeah, probably. like though, so I, that's I, what I'm I saying is like, Matt, so like for all the good that was there, you also look at like Michigan State's passing game was non-existent but their rushing game was pretty dominant michigan's passing game was pretty dang dominant but our running game couldn't get anything really going right and so did enough though like it did enough right but just just like just like michigan state's passing game did enough right but that those weren't Uh. the i i'm not saying it was well yeah and we we lost our one receiver yeah, converted two fourth downs and the passing game converted to two point conversion. Like, but we, that's what I'm saying. Like, over, we you had no, I, I agree. You I agree had the you. good and the bad in this game. You had you know the right. missed calls, and you had the 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 coaching adjustments that for whatever reason Michigan continued to substitute, even though Michigan State was catching them in those substitutes a number of times. Like if it happens once, I get it. If it happens three, four times a game, that's a problem, right? And so, like, yeah, I think, I think that combination of right? all the the back and forth, the the really good with the bad and all, like, that's what made this such a, a an enjoyable game to watch and a and a classic game in the series. It was very enjoyable for three quarters. <laughs> So one one question I did want to ask Matt, uh, bouncing off his, um, I'm sorry to steal your hosting duties here. No, you're good. Uh, bouncing off your greatest game ever. Uh, you know, we'd obviously be remiss if we didn't talk about Kenneth Walker the uh, third, five touchdown, yeah, 197 yards. I think 226 with his receiving or something like that, somewhere around there. But he doesn't catch As, passes so out of the backfield. I can remember. Thought. That was that was just for a show, trick. baby. Well, yeah, he, we, hold on. we were just saving we were just saving it for the Michigan. Game. Yeah, he didn't want they didn't want to give Michigan tape on it. <laughs> That's right. Didn't want didn't want to show it on film. He, uh, he had three catches so for my, eleven yards. I know, Paul. I know. I I know. I I'm not like I'm bringing it up facetiously. I get that, but like. That's one of those situations. No, he's calling Ryan out for overblowing his reception, his reception yeah, no, numbers. Yeah, he had he had three receptions for eleven yards. Yeah, two hundred and seven total yards. You want to talk about and Angel Anthony touchdowns. coming out of nowhere Still to have a game in in receiving? That's Andrew Anthony. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How did it work out for him? <laughs> he had a great day for him personally. Great for yeah. his team. Not that relevant. 
You know what I oh, hate so too? That's why, cause I hate the narrative that's going around that like okay. Cade was not make like he was good but not good enough. Like he missed on the he flea was flicker. So good. And he and was like so but but everybody that, points to the flea flicker and him missing it, and I'm like, okay, he threw a good ball. It was a little long, I'll give him that. But he, Barely, the very yeah. next pass was a dime across dime the middle for, for a, a touchdown. touchdown. Like, can Wait, we stop so with this like the, bougie the, narrative the of missed pass? Yeah. The, the problem is, so here's the thing, and it's this is not this is not um, individual to just Michigan and Michigan fans or the quarterback situation here. Any time that it is perceived that the guy under center for a team is not good enough. Every single mistake he makes, even the tiniest ones, are magnified beyond belief. And people act like these aren't the same misses that every single other quarterback has, no matter how good. And that's just how it is. Like if people, like people, their minds have been made up about Cade for a long time for no reason at all. Because Cade, at no point, has shown not to be very capable of passing the football. But people just they want the shiny new toy and JJ McCarthy, and it's like, why is Cade starting? Whatever nonsense. And so, and anything that they can point to that can drive it home is that point. You saw the same thing in Detroit with Matthew Stafford, right? I mean, it's not not any different. We, we saw it here for a decade. And anything that Stafford did is a little bit wrong. We didn't win enough football games, and he wasn't perfect. And he had to be perfect for us to have a chance in almost any game we played. If he wasn't, he was getting lit. Like, that's, that's just how it is. It's unfortunate. And it's and it's it goes in the other way too. Like if you if the perception that the guy under center is your best option that he's pretty good, you get away with so many mistakes. Like Thornton was garbage outside of a couple passes. Thornton had the opposite game that Cade did. Like Thornton Agreed. had a couple really great throws, like a couple awesome throws. And so all the million mistakes he made throughout the day, nobody cares about. They won the football game and he made a couple great throws right. when it mattered. But Cade makes great throws the entire day. Yeah, it's he a was a couple little mistakes, and it's the narrative's completely reversed, and that just goes back to confirmation bias, right? People have an opinion, and they are only looking at the things that go along with that opinion. Doesn't matter what happens, they're only looking at the things that fit their predetermined opinion. I mean, it's if you like if you watch this game and conclude that Peyton Thorne's a better quarterback than Cade McNamara, again, don't tell me your opinion about football. I don't want to hear it. I don't care. I can't have that conversation with you. What if your opinion is Blake Corum is better than Kenneth Walker? Can they still talk to you? Uh, so if we were basing it off this game, yes, Kenneth Walker is better than, than oh, Blake Corum. Or, or, or on the season, which is still better. But so that was that was leading into my question for Matt is from what I can remember, and again, my frame of reference for this game is only about 17 years or so. I think 2004 was the first time I really cared. That's the best individual performance I've seen in this rivalry by any player. Now, again, the the 1908 and stuff wasn't alive. Even the Charles Woodson year, I uh, was like three years old whenever he made that interception. I didn't get to see Desmond Howard do do anything in this rivalry. But as far as, far as I've been alive, the 200 yards, the five touchdowns, most that have ever been scored rushing against Michigan by one player. I guess they could have given up six as a team. Uh, but in Michigan's thousand-year history of playing football, they've never given up five touchdowns, five rushing touchdowns to one single player, and Kenneth Walker ended up doing that. From not a lot of offensive line help, I thought the receivers did a good job blocking downfield. Um, Connor Hayward did a pretty good job blocking when he needed to, but it was it, it was a lot of Kenneth Walker making things happen behind the line of scrimmage, 
when you thought it wouldn't be a big play and then bam, it's a touchdown or it's a 15-yard gain or something like that. So I know Paul talked about the Braylon game earlier. Um, and you guys talked about some of the other games, the trouble with the snap games. I don't remember one really great individual performance from that game. But I was just wondering where you would rank it among the individual performances in this rivalry. So I find it really interesting that you said your frame of reference is around 2004. Because that was the triple overtime game. <laughs> um, and I know that... Yeah, and, and Braylon was great that day. It, well, he was. So Braylon, Braylon had three touchdowns. He had... Almost 200 yards receiving, 11 catches. Like that's that right there. Is, that's crazy. Like for a receiver, like that's and especially this is not the Big 12, right? This is not a bowl game. This is it like is Big 12 defense this, back then. This is a hard nose Big Ten football game. Now, what does what will for some people knock this game down a little bit is these teams weren't as good, right? The Michigan was Michigan was good in 04. I think that's the year we won the Big Ten last, right? If I recall, we won the Big Ten that year, yes. Yeah. Um, I think so. And we were we were eight eight and one entering that game, um, but Michigan Michigan State was four and three entering that game. So that's they were not. It wasn't the top ten matchup billing that this one was right. Like Michigan was expected <coughs> to me. go in and take care of business, and it ended up really, in, in my opinion, on the back of Drew Stanton. And honestly, you, so you want to talk about individual performances, right? So you talk about the touchdowns, like he had five touchdowns, but I, I don't get caught up in touchdowns because who gets it into the end zone doesn't really neither, tell, neither does tell the story. Like yards per touch do more for me, right? Well, I, I don't know how well you remember, Ryan, because uh, like you said, you're, this is like where your frame of reference start, starts. I, I'm sure... I'm sure that Matt remembers DeAndre Cobb pretty well. Um, he had 205 yards rushing on just 22 carries. That that's 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 more prolific than what Kenneth Walker did. Yeah, Kenneth Walker found pay dirt five times, but that's that's almost a matter of circumstance. Who punches right. it in, right? Um, so what I don't. What was Michigan State's run defense that year against Cobb? What was Michigan's run defense this year against well, Kenneth Walker? Cobb was a Michigan State running back, so. No, sorry, that, sorry. What was the run defense ratings for each one? <clears throat> I mean, I'd have to, I don't know that off the top of my head. What are, but 2004 Michigan defense was quite good. Um, honestly, probably run defense a lot better than this year's, I would imagine. Um, I would be shocked if this – because this year's defense isn't that good. Like, Michigan's defense is not that good. I don't think anyone would say that this Michigan team has a world-beating defense. And you saw that on Saturday. Um, and this is, again, it, it's kind of like – you can only beat the teams that are in front of you. Kenneth Walker can only beat the defenders that are in front of him. But if we're evaluating this against things that other players did, Kenneth Walker was given a lot of yards by just horrid, horrid tackling and whiffing and just leaping it. God knows, like just an embarrassment of defensive effort. Now, again, Kenneth Walker did everything in his power to get as many yards as possible, but we helped him a lot. Like we helped, honest to God, like I, I made fun of, we, we talked about it, that big run he had against Rutgers, right? Where he juked and shimmied and broke tackle in quotation marks his way down the field for a 70 yard touchdown or whatever it was. And I said, that was one of the worst displays of defense I've ever seen. It was just whiff after whiff after whiff. And Matt said, oh, one guy touched his thigh. One guy had his yeah. thigh. Tackler um, was trying to get him in the thigh. That's where you want to get a running he back. He slapped his thigh. He tried to you give get, him a Charlie you get, horse. You get from that a thigh, you take him down. He tried um, and failed. 
it's funny that we pointed to that in his example of what not to do. And I said, against Michigan, that's not the defense you're going to face. That was better than the defense he saw most of the time in that game Saturday. Like, we put on a worse effort for those big runs than Rutgers did. Like, it was horrible. Again, I'm not. Kenneth Walker had himself a day. And he made himself slippery. And when nothing was there in the middle, he bounced it out and found those seams to then for a million guys to whiff. Uh, I'm not saying, oh, he's garbage. I'm just saying, if we're contextualizing this in great individual performances, I think Kenneth Walker's big day was much more a product of Michigan's poor defense than anything that he did. Not that he didn't do a lot. He did. But, I mean, let's be real. If you play Georgia, that's not happening. Like, well, if they played Georgia, I wouldn't ask this question because it wouldn't be in the context uh, of the rivalry. Of course, that's fair. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I, I just thought it was interesting that you point, mentioned 04 because there were a ton of great individual performances. Um, Henny threw for almost 300 yards and four touchdowns. No picks. Like, that's a big day, obviously. Uh, Mike Hart, 220 yards on the ground. I mean, big performances. We already talked about Braylon Edwards. Well, but are I you saying really... the greatest individual performance for you comes from this 2004 game? I'm just I'm just putting it into context that there's been so many. It is going uh, to be so hard for me to nitpick duh. and be like, like, there's just so many. Like I don't Kenneth Walker to me. This is a prisoner of the moment thing, and, and it's the touchdown number because everybody gets caught up in the touchdown. They're like, oh my god, five touchdowns, but touchdowns will do it for me. Like it's circumstance, like touchdowns. Okay, like but it, 200 yards of total offense and five touchdowns should do it for you. I would agree. Like with he didn't that. have forty-eight yards yeah. and five touchdowns. He had two hundred plus on, total yards of yeah. offense and five touchdowns. The, that to me and, is what puts it at the top. Yeah. And in 04, uh, looking at the box score, DeAndre Cobb, fantastic, but Michigan gave up three hundred and sixty eight rushing yards that day total. So I don't know how stout that run defense was. Well, hold on. A lot of them were Drew Stanton. <laughs> Like yeah, it, it's still rushing. I, it's, like, it's if, still. if you look at if you look at running backs, your your backup running back that had half the carries of Cobb also had half the half the average average yards of carry. Like, it, Cobb, which is still like five yards of carry. Cobb is not good running. But defense. you guys play a great game. I mean, it's not so anytime. I, I guarantee that this is probably pretty bad. Way defense. better than what we're rolling out this year. I maybe the total. Well, maybe the total even not the run defense. You're looking at one game, which we just said you were very successful running the ball. Very successful. You were very Anyways, successful. To answer your question, song. Ryan, to me, yeah, it's at the top of the list. You can call it a prisoner of the moment. You can call it the last one I saw. The fact that I can't think of one individual player over the last 15 years that has just straight dominated his job in this rivalry, and he's also obviously the most touchdowns in a game by one Spartan ever against Michigan and is now number two for Michigan all time, right? They, they allowed six touchdowns to one person once a long time ago. And then it's Walker at five, I think pretty sure something like that. Yeah. It's at the top of the list. Pretty good for someone that, you know, wasn't born into the rivalry and didn't have much will to be in this rivalry game. (laughs) That's I, Jesus Christ. (laughs) So out of context. Yeah. So out of treated, context. treated it like it was Northwestern, literally. I I think that this, I mean, just going off the stats alone is an incredible performance. Um, but to watch what he did and just like the things that like maybe won't show up on a box score, like his first touchdown, that was a 
a great run just purely based on his vision, right? Um, as a running back. Um, and just to see the way that he was slippery and the way that he could hit those holes, find those holes, and not go down with initial contact was very impressive. Um, again, to kind of borrow what Matt was saying, if it's a prisoner of the moment and the most recent thing that I've seen, I, I mean, I haven't been impressed by much else recently than what he did on Saturday. It's just really frustrating when you don't have an answer for a guy that's that good. I, but again, that's that's us. Like we did nothing. Right. No, I know, but I mean, so we did nothing that made him look that much better. You know what I'm saying? It. I mean, he he basically jumped to the top of the Heisman pole just off of that game alone. Uh, and then and opened a lot of eyes that day. So I yeah I would definitely put if it's not number one it's number two. Well that that's what I had other than uh, other than it just kind of being funny right like the things that we thought or the preconceived notions we had before the game because if you would have told me that Cade was gonna throw for two hundred and eighty yards I would have said ooh Michigan State's in trouble. The fact that he got to three eighty and Michigan State still yeah. won the game. <laughs> and, and what's most impressive to me like it did, is, you know, obviously it just kind of flew in the face of what we might have thought right, it the wasn't entire 380 narrative. yards because Michigan was behind big and had no, to throw the whole right. game it was 380 yards because we threw early and often because we knew that was the best way to attack the defense and yep. it just worked I agree it, it was it was it was and, and we did what what were my keys we had to attack the middle of the field right because that's where Michigan State's most vulnerable they're linebackers in coverage isolating safeties like that that's where they're vulnerable. So we had to hit the middle of the field, and we did that for most of the game until we decided not to do that anymore. Right. Um, Which for then God knows what reason because Josh Gaddis things, uh, and, and running up the middle and wasting place. Yeah. I mean, I it's just like no matter how it's so frustrating because I mean Josh Gaddis is is our offensive coordinator, so I want him to be amazing. I want him to be like the best at his job. Over anybody in the land. I want to love him so much. But no matter how much good he does, he finds a way to do more bad. And it's so frustrating. Now, the loss is way more on Mike McDonald than is Josh Gaddis. Way more. But at the same time, I mean, so the the substitutions especially, that was something you harped on early. Yeah. Like, it, it was killing you. And it was killing me. I just... I was I was mad about enough. Uh, it just I, that's just such a simple thing that could be fixed is, very quickly. But that's something that you have to chalk up to. You have to realize he has called defensive plays for seven games before this in his entire football career. He's never done this job before. Yeah, He's I a brilliant defensive mind. According to a lot of people that know a lot about football, yeah, but, but Paul, he has not done this. I'm gonna I'm gonna cut you off and I'm gonna stop you right there because calling seven games in college football, I okay, he's inexperienced, but this isn't really an experienced situation. This is okay. You know what, Tuck, you got me the first time, but the second, third, fourth time when Michigan State is literally running plays as we are still running people onto the field, like. 
that's not that's not inexperience. That's just but, like But it is. And this but, is why. But so it's why not it, something we've dealt with this season, right? Like we have not got a bunch of substitution penalties this season. So Michigan State's really the first one. So obviously, and credit to Michigan State's coaches. Remember I said that the coaches at this level pour over so much film. They they notice all your trends and tendencies, right? Sure. And they're looking for ways to exploit them. Michigan State's coaches obviously saw how much Michigan substitutes and they said, listen, if we go tempo, we can catch them out of position. And they nailed that. We nobody's done that to us this year. Like this okay. has not been an ongoing I, issue. I understand. So when that, it happens, but so you're one saying when time, it happens the first time, you gotta be like, okay, we stop it. But how do you differentiate as a coach in that moment? And this again, this is you're inexperienced. It is as smart as a man of defensive mind as he might be, he is inexperienced at the aspects of actually running a defense, getting his guys on the field in position, whatever, right? It is it is a huge part of his game is substituting. He's not he has not come into this game with Oh my God, what if we're not allowed to substitute? Because that's never been an issue before, right? So he's not even, that's not even on his mind. So when it happens the first time, what are you thinking about? Are you like, wow, we just can never do that again. We're done substituting the rest of the game. Or are you telling your guys, no. hey, that can't happen again. You guys got to get on and off the field faster. and We got to get the signals faster. But that's even, your first reaction, right? Yeah, but, but even then, okay, you have to adjust. You know, everybody on this podcast knows, anybody listening knows that football is all about adjustments. And specifically in-game adjustments. You know what? Telling your players to get on the field faster would not have stopped them and got them in, into position. So you have to adjust. Or, but I, but or he what I'm saying or is you, he doesn't know that in the moment. But, but Paul, he, when it's happened one time, it needs to be on your radar. When you see it happening a second time, and if we need to do this, we will, then that goes on Jim Harbaugh for seeing his players are not in position and not using a timeout. Because so again, and this is you. You can call this a fault, but to me, it's exactly how it should be. Because the moment you micromanage your coordinators, you've lost your. That's team. not. You cannot but, do it. It is. Stop it is for a second, 100%. because the way that you usually work timeouts is, you can let the offense coordinator have one, the defense coordinator have one, and then the head coach can keep one in his back pocket. It's not micromanaging for the head coach to be like, "Our guys are not in position. Timeout." That's not micromanaging. Uh, That's being responsible is, for what you're responsible for. He is 100% for. leaving that on Mike McDonald's plate in that situation. Say what? He he is leaving that. It is it is on Mike McDonald if it, his guys are not going to be in position for him to call that timeout. If this Mike Because if Jim, about, if, if Mike McDonald's <laughs> ego is that fragile, not a lot, and we've talked about this a ton. If it is, if it, if he's that fragile. That Jim Harbaugh being the ultimate responsibility, it, it calling nothing, timeout, and him thinking, it, but if if that's going to cause a rift because Harbaugh is ultimately it's not, responsible, it's not just a rift. It it has to do with being allowed to do what you're doing in the flow of the game. Like if Josh Gaddis is is running the offense and Harbaugh doesn't like what he sees in a formation and he decides to call a timeout because he doesn't want to run that play. Completely different completely different scenario. Different. It is not at all different. It, it is, is entirely it is different. To get, it is it's entirely different. Job to get those players on the field and get them set. If they are not going to be Not when the, the other team hasn't them, substituted. You cannot run defensive linemen onto a field the with the offense in formation I, already. We're not That's like football 101. We're, yes, we're we are. Arguing about the substitution. That's no, what the entire argument is about. How are we arguing about the substitution? No, we're not. 
How? That's entirely what you're, this you're, argument you're, is about. No, you were talking about timeouts. I'm. <laughs> it all starts because of the substitutions, and I took it a step farther and said that if you notice that that is happening, you utilize your timeouts to make sure that your four but defensive that linemen defensive are not still running on the field when they're running a play. That's but like that is, that is like the baseline common sense, and that's how that's where it was like extremely frustrating that one play that we rewound ryan you saw it too right like they were literally running on the field as the ball was snapped all four linemen yeah there was there's 11 guys on the defense or five all five linemen you're telling me that in that moment you don't call a timeout uh, yes, you call a timeout, but again, it has to be from the defensive coordinator. That's all. I'm it's not the head coach. The head coach is not calling it in that situation. So, so Jim Harbaugh bears no responsibility for the outcome of what happens. None. Like there's, there's no, there's no responsibility. He can't. He has no right to do anything that would affect the team because he might hurt the feelings of the defensive coordinator. I, that's, again, <laughs> not at all what I said. It, it has nothing... Sounds a whole heck of a lot like what you're saying. being hurt. That's that's you wanting to play macho man like a child. It has nothing to do with hurting somebody's feelings. It is you're the, the one talking about micromanaging letting, coordinators. Letting your co- it is letting your coordinators run their unit. It is their responsibility. Jim Harbaugh has 10 other things. Well, if you're going to give up a touchdown. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I mean, that like... All to, and I'm not, I'm not, listen, when I say that he bears responsibility, I'm not saying that this loss is on Jim Harbaugh because we couldn't get subs. I'm not, I'm not giving him that responsibility. But what I'm saying is in those moments, if I'm the head coach of that team and my guys are not in position, I'm calling a timeout and I'm going to tell my coordinator, listen, either stop substituting or substitute when they substitute to get your guys on the field because they were lined up ready to run a play and our guys are not even on the field. We literally played 11 on 7 that that play and how did it end up? And we're offside. In a t- and we were offsides because we were running in from the 40-yard line. That's what I'm saying. You're like the I, I don't You have to put your team the in the best position to win and the, especially the third one. The third one was beyond egregious because this has already happened twice. Whatever <laughs> adjustment you made after the first one clearly did not work. And you, are, if they if even not, made an adjustment, because if not, it continues to happen, like doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results is literally the definition times, of insanity. Right? It was three times, right? At least. Now again, and. So you say, oh, well, it wasn't working. Well, Michigan State ran, I don't know, 60, 70 plays. Right. 75 plays, whatever they ran. We got caught out three times. I understand that, but we, we got caught. They went, they went up tempo more than three times. They did. We substituted, but when they... We substituted more than those three times. So you can't say your adjustment didn't work and you just have to stop doing this because clearly there were times but here's a clear but here's a clear distinction though here's a clear distinction you know that when the offense substitutes the defense has the right to substitute right the umpire runs up and stands in front of the football 
Yeah, and if they don't substitute, you don't have time to substitute. Exactly, but all three, ball. but all three of our substitution penalties were in moments when the offense had not substituted. That's a but very that's not the only time the entire game that they didn't substitute. We got our substitutes on the field without them substituting multiple times throughout the game. So it's not like it was every single time it didn't work. We were caught out of position. That, listen, it's not. It is a problem. It is something that has to be addressed, and it falls squarely on the shoulders of Mike McDonald. But you can't sit there and say, "Oh, you were just banging your head into a wall. This never worked. How did you not make an adjustment?" It, it was something. It's I wanted something we've done all season. This is not new, and it, it has not bit us like this. Obviously, it is something that has to change going forward. But it is not something where you you have set yourself up to. It is impossible for us to get guys on the field. There were times in that game where we got our guys on the field in time, got the package on the field that we wanted, and made a good defensive play. Those just go unnoticed because they didn't bend us over. Right, but how many points did Michigan State score off of that? Twenty-one. Oh, I think no. Actually, if you, I think did they score three touchdowns or two touchdowns off of it. They scored a minimum of two touchdowns off it, plus two point conversions, so even more. I don't remember if there was a, the third touchdown was off of that. That might have been a lesser play. So, I mean, the proof is, no, it tends was, to I, be in if, the pudding. If, if, if you were to, we'll forget about officiating for a sec, and we'll forget about the turnovers. If you were to point to, like, a very simple set of things that cost Michigan the game, that would be, like, next in line is the substitutions. Yeah. And if you want to – and again, it, again, not to harp on the guy – but you want to talk about why I wasn't overly impressed with Kenneth Walker's big day. How many mm. of those yards and touchdowns came when there was five defenders on the field? Well, I like, know at least one touchdown did. Two. At least two. Um, and again, it's, it's not that Kenneth Walker did anything wrong. Like, I'm not going to tell you don't run to the end zone when you can. It's... Take your. Uh, it's but, what you said before the game. But it's you said more. Don't have big plays. It's that's not what at all I said, at all. In fact, I said you needed the big plays because I didn't think once you got down there you were going to be able to score. But then again, I expected us to have a defense on the field when you got down there. Uh, and but, red zone success is a lot easier when the other team's not playing defense at all. But see again that like Crazy. to me those substitution things are such low hanging fruit that they're inexcusable. Like one, I I'll give you one, but when it is repeated, that's when it starts to become like, okay, this I is a. Like, it's horrible, and it it has to be addressed. Like if that if that happens again in another game this season, I, I I wouldn't be mad if you said Mike McDonald needs to be fired. It would probably be an overreaction, and, but I wouldn't be mad. And I do think the first one is the worst because there was no other outcome other than a right. touchdown. Like, they were what? It was a 15-yard run maybe, maybe like 10. Oh, it was. Like, they were right there, and you had, you know, four guys on that side of the field and seven guys standing. I know. So, like, if there's one where it's like, hey, we have to stop four, this. Four, four guys and seven blockers for a running back. Four defenders, like seven that, blocks. Like that's the one where you're like, this is a timeout, and like this can't happen. Like again, the fact that it happened a couple different yeah, times. Yeah, and, and that's what I'm saying. Like that's the one is, that, is the ridiculous. One that we re- the one that we but rewound the first one is the most. Egregious. Yeah, the one that we rewound and watched, like that's the one where I'm saying like, okay, in that moment as the head coach, like 
everything else, forget about it. We are like literally running our entire defensive line onto the field right now. We have to call timeout. There's no reason that we don't call timeout. Yeah, it doesn't matter. No, I, and I don't care. I don't care if the video assistant halfway down the sidelines is the one that calls timeout. Somebody needed to call timeout in that moment, and whoever would have well, called it would have been video assistants can't call timeout. I okay, you understand the hyperbolic nature well, they, of they what I'm got saying. A penal- they should have got a penalty for calling the Yeah, I mean, at, at least it would have been touchdown. a dead ball and they couldn't have run the touchdown. Then no, we can get no, the guys on the how, field. That's not how the penalty works. They would still get to run, run on the field. They, they run would, on the field and tackle the referee. That's the thing. You would act, do look, something. You would have to tackle the ball carrier because that's the only way well, that play is stopped. Okay. That's the only way. <laughs> we need a coach to run on the field and tackle the ball carrier. That's the only way that play is getting stopped if we You should have sent one of your fans in the front row to streak on the field. That like that that's Stop the one and and I I remember there was one where a guy was running off the top of the screen. Michigan State was scoring to the left. They were running off the top of the screen. Like that was one. Okay, it happens. Right, a guy gets substituted late. That was one guy, but your entire defensive line. That's like it's so egregious to me. It's just so egregious to me. All right, well, well, you know it must have been a Michigan State win if you got two Michigan play fans fighting over <laughs> what happened and why. <laughs> All right, and with that, we are going to leave the gridiron. Mm. So we move on to the diamond where the World Series has just concluded, and I want you all to picture Heath Ledger's Joker sitting in the jail cell when Commissioner Gordon becomes Commissioner Gordon as I do this for AJ. Because when AJ and I (laughs) previewed this potential World Series, it wasn't even the two teams in the World Series. It was the four teams in the AL and NLCSs. And AJ flat out called this on the number that the Atlanta Braves would beat the Houston Astros for their first World Series title since 1995. So AJ, I absolutely salute you. You are the reason, (laughs) absolutely backs up the reason that you are the man when it comes to baseball. Eight-time gold glover and all those accolades aside, your knowledge of the game to call out a team that wasn't even 500 at the All-Star break to go on and beat a 106 regular season win team Dodgers, a very good Houston Astros squad that took down a very good Boston Red Sox squad. I absolutely salute you. Phenomenal call, my friend. Well done. Uh, thank you very much. I'm tipping my hat. I mean, what do you say about the national pastime? At, at, like, it was, it was a great, great playoff, and it was fun. Because you had exciting games for major market teams that were, I mean, just fun to watch. And... The reason why I went with the Braves, other than the fact that not a Red Sox fan can't stand the Dodgers anymore and the Astros are the Astros, um, they just were loose and were having fun. And you could just sense that they were a team that was getting ready to do something. Um, I, I have to say this. That home run that Solaire hit last night, was the the hardest ball I have ever seen hit in my life. 
That was a freaking <laughs> piss missile, man. Like, when he hit that ball, I just was like, my back hurt. I don't know how you felt, Matt. <laughs> yeah, he almost but I was like, over. holy cow. And then to see where that traveled to, I saw a picture today on Twitter of the ball, and it literally had the bat, the paint from the bat still mm-hmm. on it. Like, just... How that ball still had laces after he hit it, I have no idea. Yeah, I, incredible. Solaire, incredible. Absolutely incredible. Huge moment. Two outs. Two on. Zero zero game. And destroy vaporized the baseball. Up to that point, the Astros were the hot <laughs> team. We saw the way Game Five ended. Yeah. We saw after the Braves. Came out the gate scorching, grand yep. slam in the first inning, yep. and to blow that, yep. and, and and it's Atlanta, it's Atlanta. Yep. You know all the talk, all to the three. different sports talk, twenty eight to three, and all the crap <laughs> with the with you know, with with the way that this city and their sports teams have had such horrible luck. Yeah, it just felt everything was on Houston's side, and then when Jorge Soler hit that rocket. Everything switched. The Braves relaxed. They did. <laughs> the bats started connecting some more, and those the, the hot Braves lineup became hot again. Well, and, and AJ, I don't know what's. Oh, go ahead. I well, and I don't want to. What I don't want to get lost in what happened last night is what Max Fried did, because the way that he was able to maneuver through that Astros lineup and pinpoint his fastball in the inside corner up, down, in, out. Like, just, I mean, he gave him six innings, right? Six Ks, no runs, no walks. Just a a phenomenal performance by him after he got rocked in game two. Oh, yeah. And so, like, for him to bounce back, have that little scare in the first inning where uh, was it Springer that stepped on or not Springer um, Brantley that stepped on his ankle on his leg yeah yeah on his ankle which yeah. was a terrible play by Freed to begin with but like for him to yep. be able to stay in the game and do what he did like the home runs are awesome Atlanta winning the World Series is awesome but that does not happen if Freed is not as good as he was last night. No, and we, and we can put into context just how good Max Fried was. Now, look, we are in a different era of baseball. Max Fried's Game 6 start was the longest outing by a starting pitcher in this World Series. Yeah, crazy. So we are in a different how, era of baseball. Six innings. He went six innings. Six full innings. Oh, my God. Yeah, he went six full innings, and that <laughs> was crazy. the longest in the in, in this entire series. Yep. But in, this, in those six innings, he ended up being the first clincher to go six full innings of shutout baseball in, like I said, first clincher. So in the final game that mattered. And it's also the fifth largest shutout win for a clincher in World Series history. So, like I said, different era of baseball. But he's got some historical numbers here to go along with his performance. Do you know the last team to be shut out in a deciding game of World Series? Uh, yes, the Houston Astros. Two thousand five, no, Houston Astros. The Houston Astros. They lost yeah. one nothing to the White Sox in Game Four. Yes, they did. Uh, here's but, the I other mean, thing. AJ, this. Go ahead. No, no, go. I was just gonna say there's another tidbit, but you know there's a streak going on in the World Series where um, there has not been a home team to clinch the World Series since 2013. 
So every World Series has been won since 2013 has been won on the road. Wow. That's kind of a bummer. <laughs> that is kind of a bummer, especially with... Like, I mean, it... Right, I mean, you, you win the World Series, so overall it's not a bummer. And Texas has hosted, I think... It, it's cool to win. Three World Series in the last three years. It, let, me, let me make sure this is correct. Who was in the 2019 World Series? Uh, it would, I mean, it would have had to be well, no, uh, ni- nineteen, Rangers, right? If it's three for three. On. So hang on, let's go back. So seventeen was the Astros. Yeah, eighteen was eighteen was the Sox. Sox. Nineteen was the Nationals against the Astros. Against the Astros. Okay, so in three, so seven. so for three consecutive years, the state of Texas has hosted the World Series and hasn't won a single one. Yes. Of them. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, twenty twenty doesn't really yeah, count. But, the whole thing was in Arlington, but I get you mean. Yeah, it counts. You, you know, the biggest difference is they switch to plastic. You're right. Yes. yes. You are metals. correct. Yeah. No, but well. it's, you know, we look at, some, we've had some, we've had some legendary playoffs, World Series, cha- you know, championships these last so many years. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Dodgers and the Astros in 2017, the first six games, I will still say the greatest World Series I've ever seen. Yeah. Those first six games. I wish Game Seven would have lived up to it, but you Darvish pitched like shit, and the Dodgers just got whooped. Yep. But before that game, that was an absolute battle. Mm-hmm. We have seen some legendary stuff. This Braves team, when when history comes around, is going to somewhat be forgotten, and it's going to annoy the hell out of me because what this Braves <laughs> team has done is, is incredible, otherworldly. It is the second. World Series champion to have a sub 500 record at the All Star break. The 64 Cardinals, the other team to do it. And AJ, you and I talked about this. Mm-hmm. The moves that Alex Anthopoulos made oh. to get this team here can never be forgotten. If this man doesn't win GM of the year, I don't know well, what is wrong with the world of baseball. And I was, but I was looking at something too on the he moves is, that he, he actually the made, Braves. right? And he didn't give away anything. No. He gave away Kung Fu Panda. Yeah, he literally <laughs> traded Pablo Sandoval, who hasn't been relevant since 2013. No, 2012. Oh, when he won the World yeah, Series. Yeah, back when he hit three <laughs> home runs off of Justin Verlander. Hasn't been relevant since then. Turned him into Eddie Rosario, who was just phenomenal for them. Like So, for those that don't know... The GM, when Acuna went down on July 11th, and and he was their third outfielder to go down. This team completely revamped their outfield. And Alex Anthopoulos got to work. He traded Bryce Ball for Jock Peterson on the 15th. He traded Casey Kalich for Jorge Soler on the 30th, along with Pablo Sandoval for Eddie Rosario, and sent catcher Alex Jackson out for Adam Duvall, a former Brave, coming back home. Mm -hmm. And these... These four guys, yep. what they did throughout this postseason, Jock was the MVP of the Milwaukee series, yep. hands down. Eddie Rosario won the NLCS MVP, and Jorge Soler won the World Series MVP. Yep. You cannot understate no. how important Alex Anthopoulos was to this World Series because just flat out, the Braves don't make the postseason if Anthopoulos doesn't do what he did. Yeah, and what foresight from him, too, to be like, you know what? We're not done. And to sellers. make the moves. We're not sellers. Right. Like, because it would have been very easy after, um, uh, who's the big guy that went down for them with the domestic violence? Um, oh, um, wait for domestic violence. No, all I'm thinking of is the pitcher. No, <laughs> no, golly. Uh, Ozuna. 
Ozuna goes is basically out of baseball because of a situation, right? And then they lose Acuna. It would have been very easy for them to be like, you know what, next year's our year. And to try to free up some assets in order to re-sign Freddie Freeman and and make a run next year. But he didn't because the NL East was wide open. He made the moves he needed to make. And you know what? All you got to do is get to the dance. That's all you ever have to do and then just let the cards fall where they may. And, I mean, they came up aces. Uh, I, I Look, you know. That, oh, go ahead, Ryan. Sorry. I was to say, that is a question I wanted to ask because in baseball and hockey, like AJ said, all you have to do is get to the dance. And we see that a lot in March Madness where there's all these upsets. It's a 10 seed or something making the Final Four. And, like, it's crazy, but you say, hey, it's only a one-game elimination. Or then you have, you know, a sport like basketball where because it's a seven-game series, usually the team that's better wins most of the time. But in baseball and hockey, it seems like you have more of these wild-card teams that go on and, you know, do either make a serious run, they win the World Series. Like you said, I don't know if the Braves were a wild-card team, but they were 500 under. No, they won their, they won their division, but they had the worst record in the right. playoffs by far. Yeah. So sub five hundred at the wild or at the All Star break. I know the Cardinals when they beat the Tigers in two thousand six, they didn't even have like ninety wins or something like that. So I guess just what do you think it is about the game of baseball in particular that when it comes to you know October and November, it's not always the team that we saw for one hundred and sixty games yeah. as the quote unquote best team wins. Um, it's really like a whole other. It, season. it is, um, and I think a lot of that has to do with. Baseball is such a team game, right, that role players play such a higher significance than they do in, like, a basketball, right? Like, remember what LeBron did, James did to the Pistons in, was it 06? Yes, we remember. Was it 06 or 05? <laughs> no, it was no. 07. 07. Okay, so, like... Yeah. What was it? Twenty-seven points in the fourth 20, quarter. Twenty-five, twenty-five straight points. Yeah, like baseball doesn't have that opportunity, right? Because you're hitting maybe once every three innings on average, um, and so two of your offense is hot. Yeah, maybe two. Right. So you're not going. So the role players are going to play a much larger role. Um, like an Eddie Rosario, he was a Twins cast off, or not twins he was with the indians but he wasn't even signed to a team until february of this year so we're far into spring training and he's just getting signed um but it's guys like that 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 ultimately make a difference in the game and as as far as like parody goes and all of that like i think that when you look at the game of baseball there's so much randomness to it that it doesn't lend itself well to the, you know, best team is always going to win. Because, I mean, I'm, and it's true of all I'm sports, so but what would you say? I'm so upset with you. Why? I, I was, I really liked Ryan's question because I have spent way too much time thinking about it. Like, not tonight, just in general. And you just said all the things. Like, like all the things. What? 
I think Paul wanted to chime in I and did. say the Braves. What's funny about that? What's funny in that they just in that they what's just. What's funny keep about that is is that Paul spent time thinking about that, and I literally <laughs> came up with that answer off the cuff. Well, but, but it's it's what it is. Get his ass. It's, it's just get his what ass. it is. So like, think about yeah. If you're not mashing a home run, which only counts for one, one. if you're just one guy, yeah. right? Think about all the things that have to happen mm-hmm. to score a run. Right. Like how many people are involved with you scoring a run? Like it's not like like in football, one person can just moss a defense, right. and all of a sudden you got seven on the board, right? And that's like huge. It's, it's not baseball is so different, and it's so many things from the pitcher to it's so many. It's way it's way too many variables for anything to happen, and that's why baseball is not a game for everybody, right? And it's because because it's not. If you have ADD, baseball is not your game. This is not. Right, which is, is why you see it fading in popularity. I, I mean, you can have a, a, a team, it, you can have six six hits in a ball game and not score a run. Right. Okay? Or you could have, but if all those hits are in one inning, yeah. you can score six yeah, or runs. you could have three and score three runs. Right? Yeah. Like, it's, it's not, it's just so... It's a streaky game, right? Like mm-hmm. that's why people put a lot of stock into who's hot. Yep. But it's it's being hot in order. Like it doesn't matter if Miguel Cabrera is really hot if the four people around him are hitting dick all. It it just doesn't matter. Or maybe you just get a pitcher that comes in and just shuts it down. Like yep. it's just it's so so different than every other game just because so many things. Just whatever game it is. There's like never, and that's the, the thing, hot, like what Paul's getting, is there's never a sure thing in baseball except never. except handing JV the ball in game five. Like, <laughs> that, against Oakland. Against Oakland. Yeah, it has to be, Oakland. yeah, like oh when you God. get all of those stats, right? Like, well, didn't he do it to the Yankees? In I game think five? he did. He but, like, like, that's the clo- really but like, that's the closest thing to a sure thing that you're ever going to get in baseball. But, like even game, then, but even then, it, it's game. not guaranteed, right? Verlander could pitch a perfect game, but if your offense doesn't string together enough hits, right. he can't pitch 300 pitches. Exactly. Eventually, he has to come out, right? Exactly. So he could shut them down for 10 innings if he wants yep. to, right? Like, say he just goes bonkers, but if you don't score, and we get to extras, and we got to go to the bullpen, like, it's not... There's just... It's such a weird game. And the other the other sport that the most luck is attributed to is hockey. It's called puck luck for a reason. Um because weird stuff happens in hockey and a goalie can stand on his head. Mm-hmm. But even then, like, one player can beat the defense and slot home a crazy goal, right? Like, and that can be just the huge difference oh, in a game. Right, or, or yeah. one player can beat the offense. You I mean, know what it, I mean? Like, consistently, where a goalie's playing four games. Yeah. But even in hockey, goal, like right? You're, like, but JV, even in hockey, you're, he can only shut you down your, your shift, your shift changes are, you know what? Once every minute and a half to two minutes, if I'm not mistaken, and it like not even that long, shorter than that. But no, I'm saying like the amount of time that you spend on the bench is like a minute and a half to two minutes. Because don't they generally spend like thirty seconds to a minute on the ice and then come off? So like a player in hockey can take over the game much easier than somebody in baseball could do. Well, and, and hockey no, has that ultimate position of goalkeeper. If right. you have a goalkeeper that is hot as hell and standing on his head, he can win you those games. We've right. seen Stanley Cup champions that have rode the back of hot goalkeepers Hossick. to get it. 
In in baseball, in, in it's been a very long time since we've just seen the hot team at the right time. The White Sox, the last team to win it with a shutout in the final spot over Houston, that was the last time I can remember were really the hot team. They weren't the best team in baseball, but they were the hottest team going in at the right time. The Braves no, the were Nationals so in 2019 were the hot team going into uh, those playoffs. Yeah, I, you know you're you're probably right. I I just they just to what me. What about just the Cards in 06? The Cards in 06 are another great example. The Giants, yeah, but that, but that the Giants different. in 2012, was... like Detroit's two last. The, the Giants in every time they won. The, the 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 Detroit's two last World Series appearances, they ran into the hot team and had a break. Right, rest rest is rust. Right, Paul. So yeah, I like. Especially in baseball, it happens. It happens more than you think, Matt. About the hot team in baseball, because that's what we're like. That's what you're wanting to peak at the right time, which is true in all sports. I get that, but it's even you want to be clicking on all cylinders in baseball when you hit those playoffs, because the other it's, of course. But thing I, I was going to say what what got lost in this is that everyone was so busy looking at the Braves pre All Star record. I'm pretty sure if you do the numbers, AJ, the Braves had the best record in baseball post All Star break. Maybe I haven't looked at them, and but the thing is too I wouldn't about doubt baseball. it. Like, so everyone talks about the hot team. What people don't talk about is teams going cold, right? Like the Dodgers, who say the Dodgers went cold this year. Like they won 106 it, games. They, they didn't, didn't go cold. cold. I'm talking about the playoffs. You I'm know what happened playoffs. to the Dodgers? Is the Giants were better than everybody thought they were going to be, and they had to play in a wild card game and then go play the Giants and then play the Braves. So I don't know if it's a matter of cold, but it's a matter of having to be on your game day in and day out during those playoffs that really hurt the Dodgers this year. Like, you won 106 games. So in that, I don't have it up. I almost want to pull up that series. I'm trying to think of how they hit, like, so far below average in that series. What in the in the Brave series? Yeah, yeah, that's what the Brave. But that's the thing, and that's what's getting lost also in this is that the Braves lightweight had a perfect baseball team. Mm-hmm. When you look at today's day and age of baseball, and you look at their clo- at their bullpen you know, games, uh, their bullpen situation yep. of Tyler Matzik, who in thirteen games had a one point seven ERA and a twenty four to four strikeout to walk ratio. AJ Minter th- eight games a three ERA. With an eighteen to four ratio, and Will Smith, <laughs> Will freaking Smith, the second ever not the actor to go, not the actor, <laughs> and, 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 and not the and not the football player, not the Fresh Prince, the second West ever Philadelphia born to go race. eleven or more appearances of a single postseason <laughs> with a zero ERA. Yeah, it's that along with the fact that they out hit the Astros in home runs eleven to two. This offense that they were able to assemble, through, thank you, Alex Anthopoulos, right. this bullpen that they were able to assemble to go along with great starting pitching. Yes, Charlie Morton got hurt, but he did his job in game one and did it really damn well on, on a, a freaking leg. broken leg. Yeah. And, then, and and you look at what Max Fried just did. He basically duplicated it, got his leg hurt, still finished off a great start in game six to clinch that win. This team was damn near purpose, perfect, and with 
Snicker making the right moves. He didn't throw Freed out there in game five on short rest. Right. He risked a back-to-back bullpen game yep. to make sure he had his starters set up for when it counted. Yep. And they didn't even need two tries in Houston. They got it done in the first yep. one. And it's a good thing they did because you know, if they would have lost game six last night, they would have lost oh game God. seven. Oh, God. It would have been and you so know what's really you know what's really <laughs> interesting to me? So what you just said that he d- was, was cool with the bullpen game so that he could have the guys he really wanted to count on later on when it mattered, right? Mm-hmm. Do you remember a couple years ago when the Astros were winning their World Series? And I said, I think it was JV. I'm trying to I'm trying to think of the situation. I said, I, I wouldn't. I think it was JV. And I think it was the Astros. But I didn't want them to start him game six. I wanted them to save him for game seven. And AJ told me I was stupid. Yep. Uh, but I said... I want my best guy in game seven because I have to win one of these games. I just got to win one, right? And you might get lucky and go off and win a game with your lesser pitcher. Or maybe your lesser pitcher puts on the show. But if I get – I still, so I still have a chance to win the game. I'm not throwing that game. I have a chance to win. But in the event that I don't, I have my best of the best going games. I honestly that think that we had it, this discussion last year during the World Series because we were talking about Walker Bueller. And Dave Roberts and how bad he is at managing his pitching staff. It was the same scenario, but you disagreed with me. I I I did, I did, and but the situations are a little bit different. If we're talking in the context of the Astros and JV and their rotation, or even if it was the Dodgers and their rotation, (laughs) that was not the Braves' rotation. It's but it's 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 the principle. The the principle. The principle. Yes, but but you're the for the end when you really. But you're the king of context, right? And so so let's put it into context. JV's rotation. If if JV does did throw Game Six, which is why I was advocating for it, is because you would have had Cole or Charlie Morton in Game Seven. If if it's the Dodgers and you throw Walker Bueller, you have Kershaw, you have Urias for Game Seven. That's why I'm saying I try to get it done now and not risk a Game Seven. In in the, See, I, don't, in, I don't remember who it was, in but this it, was, con- it was a clear But in off. this context, I, <laughs> I'm pretty sure the only starting pitching that Atlanta had was Max Freed. So when you get to one, the other part of the context and the rookie, well, and the rookie, but the other part of the context too. <laughs> the other part of the context too, though, is Atlanta had the hammer. They were the home team for Game Five, so. In that instance, my strategy would change a little bit. I, I wholeheartedly agree with what Snitker did because I've got last at bats always in that game. If I don't have last at bats, I'm probably starting my best guy. So you you think the home road makes a big I, difference? It, it would for me if I'm managing that game, because no matter what happens in the game, I'm always hitting last. I I literally control my destiny. If I'm down six in the bottom of the ninth, I still technically have a chance. Not a very good chance, but I still have a chance, right? But if I'm down six in the top of the ninth, I don't. It does make a difference. So I think it I think it does I think that the context does make a difference there. Okay, I just wanted to throw that out there. I find it really interesting because I'm I'm in favor of saving your best for last in case you need it. Like I want what if I if I have the advantage, I want to see if I can get by with my scrubs, 
right? Yeah. Well, the best you have that's not your best. And then if I have that do or die situation, I want to throw everything I have at yeah. you. Yeah. I, 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 I don't entirely disagree with that, but I think that overall context always matters, especially in that situation. I... I, I I think I agree with AJ though. I'd rather throw, I'd rather throw my best out there earlier and try and put the game away as opposed to like maybe save it. I I know it's a weird comparison, but in in rap battles, it's usually three rounds. So you have your first round, your second round, your third round. Your opponent gets three rounds too. What they used to do is if they couldn't decide who won the battle, they would go to this thing called overtime where you had one round, whoever won that round yeah, eventually won the battle. So what some rappers would do, and I wouldn't agree with it, is they would they would save like their best stuff for their fourth round where I think I'm more in the camp of AJ where I would put my best players out there to make sure yeah. that they get on the field and give myself as good of a chance as winning – uh, you know, I want to put that nail in the coffin yeah, as might, quickly might as I can. Scenario, but yeah, uh, see, yeah, I just I just want the better I'm macro chance overall to win in totality. And I mean, if you're right, but you always look at things like probability and numbers and things like that, and it it doesn't always work out that way. Okay, well, one last thing on this World Series that I wanted to make sure I got through with AJ on is, you know, we, we had guys on both sides that are fan favorites. You know, uh, Brian Snicker has been with the Braves organization 45 years and, you know, was a Bobby Cox disciple. Yeah. Got won this one for Bobby, all that great story. On the other side, Dusty Baker, heartbreaking loss in 02 to the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim or whatever the hell they were called at the time yeah. when they came back from a 3-2 deficit to defeat the San Francisco Giants and one of the greatest players who will never be in the Hall of Fame, Barry Bonds. <laughs> but on the brave side was another baseball lifer who's been teased and tantalized for yes. years in Ron Washington, yes. who played baseball from 77 to 89. Actually, his rookie year, his Dodgers went to the World Series and lost. We know about his trials and tribulations as a manager and the World Series and never getting one. So finally... Finally, after 50 years in baseball, Ron Washington has mm -hmm. himself a World Series championship ring. And a well-earned ring, too, because he's one of the best infield coaches in the game. And their infield was top-notch. I mean, Riley, Swanson, Albies, and Freeman. I mean, they're very good infield, right? Um, yeah, but I'm ha I mean... I'm happy for Wash. I, before the Tigers hired Garden Hire, Wash was a name I wanted them to bring to Detroit, uh, just because of the way that he managed the Rangers. Um, I hope he gets another ch chance to manage, um, because not in Detroit, we're good. AJ, not it. No, you. yeah, we love. We <laughs> we're glad the way that it worked out because we got Hinch and we're about to land Correa because of it, but. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy for Wash. So I mean, just Gotting overall, right, we're a about to land Korea. what historical? Sorry, so Gotting right, we're about to land Korea. I, yeah, I think we are. <laughs> That's another one. Is I mean, there's some big names that are leaving on both sides of this World Series. Is there a chance Freddie Freeman doesn't re-sign with the Braves? 
Can they not afford him with all the names that they got to try and keep? Some people are leaving. Well, yeah, but see, they were smart, though. (laughs) They, uh, well, so, Ryan, we talked about this a few podcasts ago. Like, we need a first baseman. Until Torkelson is ready, we need a first baseman. (laughs) I will take the 2020 NL MVP. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) For sure. I would take Freddie Freeman. But is Freddie going to offer the Braves a hometown discount so that he can stay? See, they were smart, though. They signed Acuna, I believe, to an extension when he was in the minors. So they have him locked up. So he's not going to free agency. I I could be wrong on that, but I think they did. Um, But, yeah, I mean, who else is leaving them, though? I know Freeman's leaving. Um, The guys that they... all the guys they brought in, none of them are on, you know, their entire new outfield. None yeah. of them are, are on uh, yeah, extensions with the Braves. Yeah, but those guys, I don't think those guys are going to cost that much, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, look no, at... You don't think Eddie Rosario's made, made some money this offseason, I mean, Yeah, I mean, have they, have they upped their value? Yes, they've upped their value. But is it going to be so much that the team can't afford to... Sign Freddie Freeman? I I don't know. And if you're choosing between a hometown kid or a guy you traded for in the offseason that helped you get over the hump, who are you going to be yeah. more loyal to, right? Um, right. I, and Freddie, I, I believe he came in in 07. I mean, he's had a great career there. I, I can't see them letting him walk, but I also don't see them giving him a long contract either um maybe a three four year contract i have to look at his age and all that but like i I just i don't know Uh, freddie freeman in a different uniform is kind of like looking at emmett smith in a cardinals uniform right Mm-hmm. It, it would be weird. Yeah, 50, he's, well, ho- hopefully it's not Emma Smith by the time we get well, right? But, I mean... You don't want Emma Smith in the Cardinals. I will say, right, I will say that if there is a team that could use his services, please come oh, to Detroit, us. Freddie Freeman. Oh, it's us. Um, <laughs> there you go. Please. I mean, we got... But no, I mean, he came in young. He's been, he's been in the league 15 years. Yeah. But he came in at, like, what, 20? Okay, but that still makes him 35. So, are you going to give him a... <laughs> Yeah, hold on. I didn't. I didn't know. Are you that going old. to give him a? I mean, even a four-year contract puts him at thirty-nine, and it's not like he's a pitcher, right? Pitchers obviously have a longer career than hitters what are we do. About? Freddie right, Freeman. Freddie. Freddie Freeman. Right, but I mean, even if he loses some of his bat power, which will happen when he gets near forty and uh, north of forty, he's still a very lengthy and steady hand at first base. Yeah, I would agree with that. I. I'd be comfortable giving him a three-year contract. Would he be willing to sign for a three-year contract? I don't know. Um, be better. And I mean, listen, answer. like, Detroit would be a great place to try and pursue him because he can sit there and help groom Torkelson, and then as Miggy fades out after next year, you have your DH for a couple of years. So... I mean, I would, I would love it. Is it is is Freddie Freeman to Detroit going to happen? No, it's not. It's a pipe dream. Yes, but but. So what they said about Michigan uh, State? Yeah. No, I I will be really happy when Correa signs with the Tigers. 
However, I will not be happy if the Tigers give him Lou Whitaker's number one. They gave it to freaking Jose Iglesias, and that pissed me off. It's not retired. It should be retired. It should be. It should have gone up there the moment Trammels went up there. Yeah, I don't know how they didn't put him up there together. Because he's not how in the you, Hall of you, Fame. Because we have this stupid how do you rule. Swing and a miss on that one. I don't care. It's the best. It double is the play. best double play team of all time. And Lou has been a well-known Hall of Fame snub since he was ballot eligible. So mm-hmm. so absurd. It's so, so absurd. absurd. I mean, when his numbers. He didn't like the media, man. Yeah, when his numbers are <laughs> equivalent to Joe Morgan, Ryan Sandberg, and Roberto Alomar, and he's not in the Hall of Fame, with a 77 career war, something ain't right. His, his numbers are better than I, I, so I, many I, people I like in that, the Hall of Fame. I like that you have his war number Oh, the I wrote an world. entire article <laughs> on it. Yeah, Listen, is, well, Lou, been, Lou Whitaker, Lou Whitaker long, is my favorite Tiger of all time. Yeah, this has been bugging AJ for fifteen years. Like I can, I can tell you that ridiculous. he doesn't have the media accolades <laughs> that the other three guys I just mentioned do, but he has something like more hits than Joe Morgan, more home runs than Ryan Sandberg, more RBIs than um, Roberto Alomar. He has like his numbers. If you were to replace him like one of those guys with Lou Whitaker you're not getting a drop off and it's just it's beyond belief to me that that man is not enshrined in the Hall of Fame and it's even more egregious that the Tigers have not honored him in spite of the fact that he's a Hall of Fame snub uh, he, he sounds like Frank Gore then <laughs> oh Jesus Ryan? Oh, you now see now we have to fight now, now it's a fight Ryan? For no reason. This is not necessary. Speaking of fighting, or lack thereof, uh, our Lions showed no fight whatsoever this week against the Philadelphia Eagles. Whoa. Got absolutely mollywhopped 44 to 6, 7, 6, 7, 6, 6? 6, because we went for 2. 6. Because <laughs> we right. were down 44 so, instead of 14, but the analytics said go for 2. <laughs> oh, God. And that is all we are going to say about that because it is time for the picks, Paul. Uh, they're so bad. Oh, God. Luckily, we are so picks. bad. At least our picks, even though they've been bad, are slightly better than the Lions. Uh, shout out to Matt, who went 6-4. and four. Um, He is chug-a-lugging from being so far back in last place. Um, his six and four, only person above five hundred last week. Last week was brutal. Everyone else four and six or three and seven, myself included. Uh, but Matt has stormed to second place. Yeah, but wait, three really? games, three games under five hundred. Now it is a three-way tie for second. Ryan, AJ, and Matt, all three games under five hundred. I went three and seven last week. I dropped a ton of games, but I am just barely holding on above five hundred. Forty and thirty-nine. Remember, we had the draw the push that falls off the table um and that uh dylan is in i guess that makes him fifth place 36 and 43 don is having a rough go um really bad don is don is 13 games under 500 Oof. he is way back of the pack I, I don't know what's going on there he's he's having a bad year um it's all right don it, it, it's, it's got, too too much writing a lot of weeks ago too much writing not enough watching we're this honestly don is a great <laughs> example firsthand the media knows nothing about sports all right, 
No, I'm just playing. Dumb. Stop, I love you. stop picking I, the lines. I, lo- I love you, Don. Uh, we're going to kick this off. We start with college, like always. Very interesting. Um, we have a team that rapidly improved as soon as they kicked Kenneth Walker III off of it. That's right. Wake Forest <laughs> ranked ninth in the entire country, and which is crazy on its own. It's like, wow, Wake, Wake Forest is undefeated right now. No, it's, no, it's the ACC, but come on. But they're traveling to North Carolina. A, a North Carolina picked to compete in the ACC, like maybe win it, picked to be really good this season. They're unranked. They have four losses, four and four, but they're two-and-a-half-point favorites over Kenneth Walker list Wake Forest. As I told you earlier, Wake would be number one if they still had Mr. Kenny Walker and Michigan might be undefeated. And to be honest, I did uh, do a check because as much as North Carolina has been bad this year, I was very concerned that they might still win the division because it's such a shit division. Uh, but because of my North Carolina bias, there's no way I can pick them. Scotty Pippen came out talking a whole bunch of shit about Michael Jordan. <laughs> F Michael Jordan, F North Carolina. Uh, let's go wake. Keep that Kenneth Walker this train rolling. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, yeah, this seems weird to me being two and a half point dogs on the road for a top 10 team. So I'm going to roll with, uh, are they the Demon Deacons? Yes. Yeah. They are. Yep. Yes, they are. Yeah, give me the... I know it's scary It's to you, not. But... Give me the Demon Deacons to go into Chapel Hill and more do what they need the, to do. The Rabbi Deacons. <laughs> For those that care, the reason North Carolina is a two-and-a-half point favorite is because as good as Wake, Fo- as good as Wake Forest's offense has been, that's how bad their defense has been. They have given up 500 yards of total offense Four consecutive games prior to their beatdown of Duke this past weekend. And when you have Sam Howell and a pretty good offense in North Carolina, who averages 40 points a game, that can scare you. Problem is, North Carolina's defense is just as bad as Wake Forest's. And Wake Forest's offense is on fire right now. Put up over 600 yards against Army, another 600-plus yards against Duke. I understand my North Carolina two-and-a-half-point favorite, but I'm still not picking them. Give me the Demon Deacons. Don is on an island. Don is on the island of wrong with this one. Listen, this is you're right. No defense. It's kind of like kind of like the Big Twelve, right? But Wake Forest just beat Army seventy to fifty six. All right, (laughs) that's a basketball score. In fact, actually, that is more than the total of a lot of Big Time basketball games. Yeah, right. (laughs) Unbelievable. Um, I North Carolina sucks this year, and Wake Forest kind of doesn't suck. I guess. I mean, I'd like to see them in a bowl game, but that'd be fun. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take Wake Forest with this one. I think they win. They're just a better team, defense or not. Whatever. Don is on an island or wrong on this one. Uh, we travel to West Lafayette. Indiana. Where, does, where does Purdue? Just, what is it? Just West Lafayette. Indiana. We travel to Indiana. Not West Philadelphia. We travel to West Lafayette. To their bum ass stadium. They can't yeah. even. Their stadium that you can't even get X-rays in. Although maybe after the snafu a few years ago, you can. Ridiculous. Uh, Michigan State, I ranked number three, but maybe Vegas pegging them is an emotional letdown. Don't know why. Uh, only three point favorites over giant killer Purdue. I've, I love everything I've heard from this Michigan State team after the big win against Michigan. Everything they've said is we're focused on Purdue. Mel Tucker even went as far in his press conference the next day or on Monday or something to rattle off since like 1970 all the times Purdue has beat a top two or top five team or something like that. So I, I don't see the letdown here. I see Michigan State winning this game big in a game I'm probably going to put some real money on. 
uh, this game scares me for Michigan State, to be honest with you. Um, we've seen what Purdue did to Ohio State a few years ago. We saw what they did earlier this year to Iowa, right? They beat the number two out of them. Um, mm-hmm. Can they beat the number three out of Michigan State? I don't even know what that is, but... Um, That's a bad night. So it's a, it's a, it's <laughs> a combination, it would be, wouldn't it? It's a bad night. I don't know. I've kind of rolled with the Sparty train all year, and I don't see any reason to jump off now. So give me Michigan State to cover. My man. If Michigan State is going to cover, they have to do exactly what they did with the Western Kentucky game because that's how they got to look at this game. This is a defense for Michigan State that is allowing over 300 yards of passing and they haven't even faced any of the top four passing offenses in the Big Ten so far this year. Disrespect. Purdue yeah. is haven't faced a good quarterback in my Purdue right. Oh my god, is one of those top four passing offenses as they average over 300 yards in the air. This is the reason that there is so much scare for this game. Can the Spartan defense do enough to let their rushing attack, because Purdue's rushing defense is not good? Can they do enough through the air to cut those holes open for Kenneth Walker so he can have a repeat performance of what he did last week in East Lansing against Michigan? This is going to be a battle, I think, because of the fact that the Michigan State defense has those questions in the secondary. I do think they answer those questions. I don't see a letdown happening. It's going to be close, but I think it's either a push or Michigan State covers. I I will be astounded if Michigan State wins this game by less than 24 points. (laughs) We already talked about how much fake news Michigan State's passing defense being a problem is, and I don't think Purdue... Is I don't think they have the tight ends and are going to attack the middle of the field as much as they need to where Michigan State's vulnerable. Um, And I I think they're not going to hit on those big plays. And like you said, their rushing defense is bad. The only way Michigan State doesn't cover this number by a monster is if they just want to get the game over with and they just grind it to a halt. Because if they want to score, they will. I think Michigan State wins, wins big. I I would buy as many points as your bookie will let you to add add – Minus to add 14. To, to your payout on Michigan State. And that, that's a clean sweep on this one. This one is not a hard one, folks. This is easy. Michigan State in the landslide. Uh, we move on to Oklahoma State. Uh, they let us down earlier this season. Uh, but we're back on them again. This is kind of a weak slate this week. Uh, but 11th ranked Oklahoma State is three and a half point road favorites over West Virginia. It seems like West Virginia has given some teams some wins this year where maybe they shouldn't have them. I think, was it Minnesota or something? Uh, maybe not Minnesota. But one Big Ten team uh, beat West Virginia. I don't know why. I just got this gut feeling just looking at this game. I think West Virginia pulls off the upset. I think some of these 10 to 25 ranked teams are a little bit wonky. So I'm going to take West Virginia in hopes I'm going to game a gain on most of you. Let's go Mountaineers. Well, last week we took a lot of the road teams. And this seems like a perfect opportunity to take a home team for no other reason than that. So I'm going to take West Virginia and stay with Ryan one way or the other. So the Mountaineers have had three games against ranked opponents. They knocked off Iowa State. They knocked off Vatek. And they didn't trail against Oklahoma at any point in regulation before falling in that game. The reason that they are below or at 500 is because they can't run the ball to save their damn lives. Averaging about 2.6 yards per carry at 75 yards a game. That's really bad when you've got to go against an Oklahoma State defense that's allowing about 2.9 yards per carry and under 100 yards per game. 
So unless Spencer Sanders forgets how to play football, which we've seen happen at times, I don't see West Virginia being able to get inside of the hook, the three and a half. I just, I think Oklahoma wins this one. I think it's a close one, but a four, five, six point win is still a cover. So give me the Cowboys. Uh, we got our first close, close one here. We got a split. Ryan, AJ, Don on the Mountaineers. Uh, Dylan, Matt on the right side of history with me. Oklahoma State's flat out better team. Uh, road home doesn't matter. They're a better team by quite a bit. West Virginia is not that impressive. Scare, no scare. Um, I think this one might be tight through the third quarter. Oklahoma State pulls away late, easily covering. And that takes us to our ranked SEC matchup of the week. We got 13th ranked Auburn with a big win last week over Ole Miss. Texas A&M, 14th ranked, hosting them a couple weeks off their big upset of Alabama. They're four-and-a-half-point favorites over Auburn. Texas A&M gets the Alabama sweep this weekend as they take care of business at home against Auburn. Team's really close in the rankings. Texas A&M aiming for for like a top 10 spot. Give me the Aggies here. Yeah, I don't really know what to make of Auburn. Like I feel like one week they <laughs> join the club. Yeah, like one week they're beating a good team, and the next week they're losing to a bad team. Um, but I also hate Texas A&M, so uh, just give me Texas A&M because they're playing in College Station. Four and a half points. Yeah, they can win by more than four and a half points. Bo Nix has shown up. Took him a little while to get some traction. Uh, Ole Miss definitely helped him last week, continuing to go for it on fourth down. I don't know what Lane Kiffin has against kicking the ball, but he had enough to ruin their chances of winning that game last week for his running Rebels. Uh, A&M has been good this year, you know, better than uh, than I thought they would be. I hate both these teams because I have no idea which team's going to win this game. I can see this literally going either way, which means <clears throat> we go to the coin. All right, we got it. Why don't you just go to the points if it can go either way when you're getting four and a half? Nope, going to the coin. Head, Auburns. Tails, A&M. First one, tails. Second one, heads. Third one, heads. Auburn it is. Go Tigers. Good choice, Matt. Good choice. (laughs) Unbelievable. Uh, That does give us a split, though. No, no, it does not give us a split. Just only AJ and Ryan on Texas A&M, actually. Don, Dylan, Matt, and myself on Auburn. I'm actually going against gut with this one. I'm going to, I'm going to take the analytics here. Analytics say take Auburn in the points, so I'm going to take Auburn in the points. And that takes us to our nightcap. Uh, I find this very interesting that Michigan is hosting Indiana at night. Uh, off their emotional letdown this weekend. Uh, unfortunately, while it is a night game, we're supposed to have pretty decent weather this Saturday. It's going to be a little bit warmer than it's been this week. It's been freezing. Not that Matt would know because he lives in it's probably 70 degrees where he lives. But it has been it's in the 60s right now. Week. Oh, it was 32 when I got up this morning. Um, it did warm up to like 43 today. Uh, but it's, it's going to be a little bit warmer this week, so it shouldn't be too bad. But Michigan, still 20-point favorites over Indiana. Yeah, I don't like what I'm seeing from Michigan. Still whining about the calls, the players, and the coaches from last week's game against Michigan State. I don't think it costs them to win. I do think it comes. Uh, I do think it uh, causes them to come out a little bit sluggish. And Indiana's only lost by 20 twice this year to open oh, up because they lost to Iowa too, so three times. Um, I'm going to take Indiana in this one. I can see like a 35-21 easy Michigan win, but not enough to cover. Yeah, this Michigan team 
I don't really get the vibe that they're like a team that's going to be out seeking vengeance, right? Like, in Ohio State, it loses to Oregon, and then you feel sorry for the next team that they have to play. I don't really see this from... I don't get that feeling with this team. Um, and I don't like that number. I agree with Ryan that I think Michigan wins, and I think that it's a comfortable win, but I don't think it's a three-score victory. I don't care what feeling you get from the team. Indiana is starting their third-string quarterback, and they have a defense that's allowing over 500 yards in back-to-back games. Uh, this one's not going to be close. Michigan's going to attack early and often. Cade McNamara might have his best game of the season, and Michigan wins by a little more than 20. That's a cover to me. Give me the Wolverines. 21 would be easy, right? Uh, Matt is actually going to be on an island on this one, but I'm not, I'm not confident about it. I, I hate this number. It's a horrible number. If I, give me 13 and a half. <laughs> Such a nicer number. Uh, this is an Indiana team that should have beat Michigan State just a couple short weeks ago. Uh, I'm not too concerned that they're playing the third string quarterback because the first two suck. Like, not better. Like Michael Penix, not good at football, no matter how many people want him to be and want to make him good at football. Uh, I don't, I just, I'm taking Indiana in this one because I think Michigan, while I don't think they're going to come out flat, to be honest, and I don't, I don't think they're going to have a hangover at all from last week. I think it's going to be a more of we're going to work on things, we're going to try things, we're going to get 80 guys from our roster, 100 guys from our roster in this football game. And I, I don't think it's going to be full-on gas pedal the whole game. I think they're going to take it easy, cruise to a nice win, and Indiana gets a backdoor cover, and they lose by like 17. So I am going to take Indiana in this one. And that concludes our college picks. Matt may be making up a game on us there at the end. And hopefully we all do a lot better than last week because last week was rough. We had three people go 0-5 in college last week. Three I wasn't that's, one of them. That's abhorrent. That's me neither. Because I rode Sparty Train. That's right. Um. Yes. Did you? Yes, I most certainly did. Hey, Paul. Paul out here messing with the records. I said I thought Michigan would win, but Michigan State would cover. I do vaguely remember that. I I have the scores. Just give me two seconds now. I gotta go check. Damn, I'm no longer tied for second. I'm now tied for third. Never mind. <laughs> I feel you. You do. If I don't end up winning these picks, then the whole thing is going to be under review. Mm-hmm. Because well, this is like three <laughs> times this has happened. Go back every week. No, no, no. It's an, and every I'm clearly your closest competition, price. so you keep on screwing every, me. Every time. I know you. Every you know time who Paul's like. Checked, it was recorded correctly. The only reason this one was off is because we I recorded the score because we all picked a score, which we don't normally do. And I had to put the score next to the team you had winning. And I didn't I didn't look at how much you had them winning by. Let's let's pick NFL games. So you guys ready to pick some NFL yeah. games? NFL game slate's kind of a dumpster fire this week too. Uh, we start with a banged up Cleveland and the ghost of OBJ. Uh two and a half point road dogs in Cincinnati. The Battle of Ohio. Um, I still think Vegas is giving Cincinnati a little too much credit. I mean, they lost to the Jets in a backup quarterback last week. I'll take Cleveland this one in a get-right game. I actually think Cleveland wins by kind of a lot. See, I think Cincinnati bounces back from their loss to the Jets this weekend, this last weekend, and I think that they'll win by three in cover. Two and a half, yeah, that's good enough for me. I'm riding with AJ on this one. I think... uh 
I think the Bengals have a bit of a bounce back against their biggest rival, in-state rival, all that nonsense. Cleveland, a little too banged up for my liking right now. I'll go with the healthier team. Uh, good luck stopping Jamar Chase. Uh, give me the bungles. Uh, yeah, I'm Ryan's on an island of wrong on this one. Cincinnati, who I've been down on all season and just keeps winning games for no reason, they, they did have a huge blow-up against the Jets last week. And Mike White, uh, kudos if you can name where he went to college at. Oh, Don Ken. <laughs> he knows yeah. his whole life story. Uh, yeah, he does. Uh, but I don't. I, he should pick him up Cincinnati for his fantasy team. Back and in a big make way. it four quarterbacks. Cl- Cleveland, Cleveland is super banged up. OBJ is trying to rip apart that team to the extent that he has been sent home. They're just going to pay him to sit home and watch. Uh, I'm going to take Cincinnati with the easy dub in this one, and we move on to Denver. Overrated Denver, whose season is falling apart before their eyes. Dylan, who's not on this cast, uh, but Dallas, which should have. Dak Prescott back, who was supposed to be back last week. Uh, Dallas is nine and a half point home favorite. Pretty big number for a four and four Denver team, I want to say. That, that is a big number. Denver just traded away Von Miller. Ah, I don't know. I think Dallas is kind of re-energized in, uh, in Dak's return. I'll take Dallas. I don't like the number, but I'll take the Cowboys. Give me a touchdown and a field goal. Win. Yeah, I don't. I mean, Dallas's defense is pretty good to put up with whatever Denver does on offense. Uh, Denver's clearly now lost their best defensive player because they traded him. I, yeah, nine and a half's a lot, but a ten point win, I can see that happening. Give me Dallas. I hate you that you put a. Uh freaking Cowboys game on here that I have to pick them. I hate picking the Cowboys. Yeah, I do too. But there's no reason to there's no reason to pick Denver in this one. No, none. There's none. Their, their offense is spotty. Their defense is just lost, you know, one of their hallmark players and there's no reason to pick them. Like it's not even in Denver. Like there's no reason to pick them. Dallas is going to win this game by 10 <laughs> freaking points at the very least. Me and Don would like to send a meme from a recent Adam Sandler movie. It's very simple. It says, I disagree. Uh, rest is rough. Dak is suck. Denver. New England coming off a big win against the Chargers. Uh, Herbert looks like he kind of stopped figuring out how to do all those nice things he was doing at the beginning of the Glad season. Probably because Dylan's been on him so long. We. We know about the Dylan. <laughs> we know about the Dylan curse. Long time listeners of the podcast know about the Dylan curse. Uh, New England three and a half point road favorites over Carolina team that might shit? have a. How is How is Kansas City Green Bay not on this game? <laughs> like not on this document. Uh, prob- well, probably because Jordan Love is mean? playing quarterback. Oh right, I forgot Rodgers isn't playing. Yeah, they <laughs> were on this. Uh, Jordan Love's about to go off. He's about to Wally you. Pip Aaron Rodgers. I, Okay, so I don't know about Wally pipping Aaron Rodgers. He's about, could, hey about the Tom Brady Aaron Rodgers. I, I could see them surprising people. Kansas City's defense so, is guess. bad. Kansas City needs some breaks. But I told you guys it was a rough slate this week. Like, be look Luke at the, Aaron Rodgers. Well, I mean, he's going to make look, Aaron Rodgers Wally pip. Look at the, <laughs> look at the football games this week, guys. It's, it's rough, man. Uh, New England three-and-a-half-point road favorites over Carolina, who God knows if Darnold is going to retain his starting shot. Yeah, yeah. I think New England's like four and four. 
Mac Jones has looked pretty good. I like that New England defense even on the road against Carolina. So give me the Patriots in this one. Running game too much. Uh, Mac Jones, not a lot of mistakes. Uh, same exact thing for the same exact reasons. How do you like From that analysis? From your guys' lips to God's ears because the Bucks are on a bye this week, which means Tom Brady, one of my starting quarterbacks in my dynasty league, is on a bye this week, which means I'm rolling with Matthew Stafford and Mac Jones. He's my backup. So I need Mac Jones to have a really nice game with no mistakes. New England just – they're starting to figure things out. <laughs> Belichick, you give this man this much time, he's going to start figuring his team out. He has – Carolina has not looked good uh, the last few weeks, and uh, I think that slide continues. Give me the Pats. Christian McCaffrey off the IR, though. I was going to say it is possible. And on his way to Houston this week. Stop. No, on on his way back to the IR after that. Trade trade deadline is passed. Stop it. Uh, (laughs) God. C-Mac is possibly coming back this week. Could change things for the fortunes of Carolina a little bit. They were a much much different team with him. Uh, but I'm going to say Don is on the Islander on this time. The rest of us are still back in New England, C-Mac or no C-Mac. Uh, that takes us to, spread-wise, the tightest game of the week. Uh, I feel like some people may disagree with the spread. The Cardinals find themselves just one-point road favorites over the struggling 49ers. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, J.J. Watt took all the points they were supposed to be favored by with them to, to the hospital. I, I just don't think San Francisco is very good. And even if Arizona isn't 7-1 and one good or whatever they are, you know, whatever they've shown, I think they should beat San Francisco in what is basically a pick So I'll take the, I'll take the Cardinals. Yeah, I mean, last playing on Thursday night, they get those few extra days of rest. And I know that long extended rest can mean rust, but those two extra days to get healthy is not, I don't think, a bad thing. So think DeAndre Hopkins is going to go off and win me my fantasy matchup this week. Debo Samuels <laughs> then is going to have to go off, which is going to win me my other fantasy matchup this week. Um, and I think Arizona ends up winning in the end. Gets me uh, we time. are picking too many favorites in this, <laughs> and I'm not enjoying it. i got to find an upset somewhere. Uh, I'm guessing Vegas knows something I don't. Uh, maybe it's the Cardinals' run defense is not as good as advertised, and the Niners are pretty damn good at rushing the football. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, one of his lesser mistake-prone games. Uh, give me the Niners to pull off this upset. That is the homer pick putting Matt on an island of sadness because the rest of us know that Arizona, could they be a little overrated? Could they maybe not be 7-1? Maybe, sure. Is J.J. Watt going to hurt them? Maybe, sure. But it's not going to keep them from beating the San Francisco 49ers, who once again are plagued with injuries. I don't know what's going on at quarterback. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo saw them draft a mobile QB, so he decided he's going to start running the ball in the end zone instead of letting them hand it to Elijah Mitchell to get in the end zone. I don't know what's going on there, but it's not going to go well against Arizona on Sunday evening. And that takes us to our... What was, I still, I'm really excited for this game, honestly. Either way, but I'm very sad to see King Henry hurt and going to miss at least most of the season. They're expressing optimism that he will return this season. I have doubts. Does that do anything for my fantasy teams, plural, that this man it was on? It, no. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't the do anything for The season will be done by the time he comes back. This All does right. nothing for me. Sunday night football gets the Tennessee Titans without... Derrick Henry traveling to take on the LA Rams. They're seven and a half point road dogs against the Rams that have been on fire 
But isn't this why they revamped the passing game, brought in Julio Jones? I mean, for first game with Von Miller for the Rams going up against Adrian Peterson in the Is backfield. Is AP actually playing this game? Do we know? I doubt it. I don't, Godspeed if he's not for the Titans, I guess. But any so Tannehill's going to have to throw a lot. Not that I think that defense or the secondary is so great, but when they can plan on you to throw the ball, I think you're going to have some problems. Uh, I'll take the Rams to cover by more than the uh, more than the touchdown they're getting. Paul, you said seven and a half, right? Oh yeah, big important number. So I think the Titans are going to have to rely on that passing game, obviously. Like, that's Captain Obvious statement of the year right there. Uh, which bodes well for me, because I have A.J. Brown. But <laughs> can they do enough to cover that hook? I just don't think so. So I think I'm going to have to go with the Rams. Go with my gut on that one. Yeah, so according to my fantasy team where I picked up both Titans That's my stick. <laughs> and McNichols and Adrian Peterson, it looks like Jeremy McNichols is expected to be the starting back for this game. Uh, I don't care which one of them starts for this game because it's not, it's not King Henry. And without Derrick Henry, I don't, I don't see the Titans keeping this one close. Matthew Stafford is one of, if not the hottest quarterback in football right now. That Rams offense is a well-oiled machine already, and I think they keep it rolling and win by double digits. So give me the Staffords. I I cannot believe I am doing this against my boy Stafford. I don't, they're going to lose the football game. Traitor! They could. They could. Uh, the thing is, the Rams have been on a, a nice cruise lately. Cruising through the drudges of the NFL. I mean, NFL teams are NFL teams, and they're beating them bad, beating them good. Stafford's sitting fourth quarters. It's it's nice. It's a nice ride. But this is the first real team they've played in a while. Uh, you know I'm very suspect about the Rams' defense. Um, I think Tennessee's run game, well, Derrick Henry's obviously a very big part of that. Um, their offensive line, their mentality, their play caller is also a big part of that. I think Tannehill can do a lot of things. I think this is why they brought in Julio Jones, to have a more balanced attack. I just don't see the Rams running away with this game. I think this is a really big game for Tennessee. Tennessee's been playing really well. They're emotional. They gotta, they're going to play hard with Derrick Henry out. Seven and a half is a big number in the NFL for two good teams. These are two playoff teams. Um, I, I just think it's a little too much, home or not, Stafford or not. So I will be the only person to back Tennessee and hoping that I don't look too foolish. Unless it, if, it could, if it's the only game I get wrong, I wouldn't be too upset. You can't but, be worse than last week. You picked the Lions the flat-out win. So, <laughs> listen, we've I said heard... I'm going to keep banging my head. I'm going to keep banging my head into that wall until it happens because they sh- probably won't go win this. Uh, God damn And with that, I thank God we don't have a Lions game this week. That concludes the picks. And with that drop of wisdom, that concludes the show. Ryan, <clears throat> do the thing. Hey, so make sure you guys, whatever you do in life, you keep chopping. <laughs> make sure Chop you stay on. relentless. And make sure you drag all your enemies into the deep waters with you. But when you're in the deep waters, you're going to need some waterproof earphones or headphones so that you can listen to the Sports Carnage podcast. 
on Podbean, on Spotify, and on Apple Podcasts. And then you can find us on social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube at Sports Carnage. Uh, he doesn't mean that literally, kids. Don't drag anybody into the deep water. That's a good way to get into trouble. For Ryan Griffin, Paul Roshan, yep. AJ Riley, I'm Matt Basson. We are Sports Carnage. Thank you for spending a couple hours with us this week. We'll be back with y'all next week.